Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 245 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump day Wednesday. Here we go, folks. In the grind. Almost there. Halfway. You know, I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, have a returning guest today. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, Harrison Harper is back after his year in the Southern Professional Hockey League with the Fayetteville Marksman, and he is going to uh, he's going to regale us with the with the story of a a season in the life of a Southern Pro Hockey League player, as well as a uh, call up to the East Coast Hockey League in Norfolk. That was uh, it was interesting to say the least. I'll let Harrison tell that story. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun having him back on the show. Um, of course, I had him back way back before he even left for uh, the, his uh, this this season. And of course, we covered you know how we do it around here. We timeline the career. We talked about junior and Lethbridge and in the Maritimes, and of course, collegiate hockey and and all that type of thing. But um, we I kind of told him I said, well, when your year's done in pro, I want you to come back and tell the story. So here we go. And um, 
yeah, he has decided to obviously retire and move on uh, away from hockey. And uh, he's actually uh, starting up his own uh, business. It's his own roofing business. He's been doing that out in Ontario for the last couple summers. And he is coming home back to Alberta. And uh, he wants to fire something up. So anybody down in Al- southern Alberta, if you need some roofing done, I know a guy. Yeah, Red Mile Roofing. He is uh, just, uh, just uh, he'll be back here in October and uh, wants to get it off the ground. So, um, if, if, honestly, if anybody needs some roofing done, uh, certainly uh, hit him up. Uh, he is Hopsy on Twitter as well as, uh, but if you want to get a hold of him, I'm sure, you know, you know, let me know and I can get a hold of him for you and well, I'll hook you guys up or whatever. But yeah, I think, you know, why not, uh, help a local boy out here starting his up, starting up his business. And, uh, I think with the way he was cruising through roofs there in Ontario in the last couple of years, I think he, he'll be, he'll be successful in this venture. So I wish him well, but, uh, to, uh, to get on, I won't talk too long because Harris and I actually talked for quite a long time. It's quite the story. Um, but, uh, yeah, not only uh, did Harrison obviously play hockey and he, he's starting up his business here, but he also has a uh, podcast as well. It's called The Project, and uh, I was uh, honored enough to be on it there a couple episodes ago. We tell a couple stories, and uh, and it's an interesting uh, podcast in the fact that, you know, because every kind of look, oh, he's a hockey player, it'll be a hockey podcast, and it's not really. Yeah, he had a couple teammates on throughout the year and talked to them, but... Um, he's also had different, different people on in his life that away from the game. And, um, actually most of his episodes don't, he doesn't really talk about hockey at all. He's just kind of, uh, it's sort of like life events that, that, uh, situations that he happens to end up in. It was funny because we talked about it on the show and I think we both kind of came up with the conclusion that it's kind of the Seinfeld of that kind of, in that vein, it's kind of a show about nothing. But, uh, he amuses me. He's a funny guy and, uh, him and I actually text quite a bit and, uh, just, I, I mean, if somebody saw our text, it's just like nonsensical texts, and um, we have a laugh about that too. So, but this is a really fun episode, and uh, you know, he was really uh, geared up for it, and we had set it up, and uh, you know, um, I, I I always have a lot of fun talking to him, so I think you guys will really enjoy it, and it's a really interesting look at life in minor league hockey and what these guys go through behind the scenes. So, um, I'm really happy to bring it to you guys. So. Uh, so like I said, I'm not going to talk long. The only thing I got to say is check out my boy Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, now that they're moved into the house and he's all set up and everything, um, look for, he's obviously going to get more shows on the regular here. Um, I know that's his goal. And I actually, I think he's recording tonight. Um, so definitely, uh, and he's got a great back catalog by Lois, Rob Ray, Mike Segroy, Sean Pete, Jason Rushton. On and on. Um, he does a great job. Um, also, on YouTube, Five for Fighting YouTube channel. He uploads all the East Coast League fights. He's going to do some more stuff as well. But uh, the East Coast League was a great league last year. Like, he uploaded most of the fights from last year. And they were they were great. And this year is going to be really interesting. As some of the teams with some of the signings. I think there's going to be a lot of fights, especially early in the year. Uh, between that, the Federal League, and the LNH, of course, with Curtis Swanson going back to it. And actually, on Sunday, I will talk about that, but there's a bunch of more LNH signings. There's some dudes coming back that uh, that's going to be really interesting. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be a really interesting, um, at least early part of the season, when these guys are all you know in the fold and starting out and fresh. And it'll be something. Uh, I haven't actually been um, this excited 
oh, I can't even remember, decade <laughs> that, uh, that I've sort of been excited about a hockey season. And, uh, you know, so this will be really cool coming up. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all the guys do. And, uh, Sunday I got another guest coming with some more, some more information about signings and stuff. So, um, uh, I will not say anything yet. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, so that'll be Sunday's episode. But, uh, if you happen to be on social media, like I said, check out the Five for Fighting podcast, or, well, not only his podcast, but his YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. We're trying to get him to a thousand subscribers. Um, and while you're there, bounce on over to the Fourth Line Voice, my YouTube channel. I have over 2,500 fight videos from all the leagues, NHL, WHL, minor leagues. It's, they're all sorted. Just type in whatever league you're looking for in the search engine and up they'll come. So, and hit the subscribe button there. I greatly appreciate that. Also, if you happen to be on social media, don't know why you do that to yourself, but, uh, I mean, we have to, to promote the show, but, but, uh, no, if you're on social media, fourth line voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Yeah. Give me a follow or check out the page, scroll down, have a look. I'm always putting up like fight videos or pictures or just general shenanigans. So definitely check that out. But, uh, other than that, let's get into this, right? Nobody tuned in to listen to me. Yap. So, um, we, one one final thing, we do this twice a week, once on uh, Wednesday and a show on Sunday. And uh, yeah, if you're new to the show or you're a friend of Harrison's, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I hope you stick around. Check out the back catalog. I've had a lot of great guests on. John John Morass, Steve, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, on and on. Just check out the back catalog. Um, I, I think you'll, you'll find yourself entertained. And on Sunday, I usually, uh, it's a solo episode where I howl at the moon and rant and rave about... Uh, this, that, and everything else. So, and there's some old school hockey talk that, uh, you know, and hopefully people will learn something from listening to it, but, uh, or maybe not, or just kind of, you know, whatever, get you fired up about something and yelling at the dashboard. <laughs> but regardless, uh, I hope you come back and, uh, and, and check out, uh, future episodes. But, uh, all right, folks, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Harrison Harper, and, uh, we'll talk to you cats on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are on the Fourth Line Voice podcast with a returning guest, ready to tell us all about his uh, the, the adventure that is the Southern Professional Hockey League. None other than Harrison Harper. Harrison, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Darren. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It was a, a pleasure doing it last time. If I remember correctly, we did it like late night when I had been uh, working all day, and I remember like I, I don't think I had much pep in my step that night, so. Happy to get back on the show, redeem myself, because I remember, I, I think it was literally like my dad or someone listened to the show, and he said you were half asleep and you were awful. So hopefully uh, that's not what anyone thought this last time, but uh, anyways, start with a clean slate, so appreciate you having me back on. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, well, yeah, you're, it was tiresome. I knew I could tell you were a little tired in the last interview, but no, you're still pretty good. I will say for anybody that wants to listen to that, it's episode 127, and we cover Harrison's entire career from you know from the beginnings to the Western Hockey League to the Maritimes to college and all and all that stuff. And it's uh, now you're pretty good, but you know he's definitely he was definitely tired. But now I know you're you're uh, you're, you're fired up. I forgot to mention. Harrison also has his own podcast called The Project, and uh, it is a, an interesting. Uh, yeah, so before we get into your, uh, your a, a, a year in the Southern Pro, uh, tell the folks about the project and what you're doing over there, and, and what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. So I appreciate the plug. I uh, got uh, 
when I was playing uh, hockey in university and youth sports up in Canada, I got involved with a podcast in university that I did for two years there for the school and um, was always kind of interested in getting involved with making a pod and I knew it was something that, you know, it's not really easy to do. It's hard to get one that's going to be, I mean, notable to any degree, but it was something I liked doing and I was going to go to radio school way back in the day before when I was choosing what I was going to get into post-secondary and I just found like I didn't go that route. I ended up not doing that in school. So I was like, well, at least I can fart around with podcasts and that'll be my radio fix. And then once school uh, ended and I graduated and moved on from university, it was obviously I handed the reins to the show. I started with my buddy up there. We handed it on to someone else who thankfully they're keeping that alive. And there's a couple other guys who still do that show, but I was kind of, uh, it was during the pandemic and, it was probably like a year into the pandemic. I should have started. I meant to start it way earlier and it was just something I always wanted to do. And I, I got it going and I like to do the talking part of it, but I'm not very big at editing or the social media aspects or, you know, all the hard work that you really need to be good at to have a successful show and, and take it seriously. Wasn't really my cup of tea. So I mean, I got this show going. I call it the project because it's like a project. It didn't really have a direction, still kind of doesn't. And I know that sounds pretty vague and probably not the best description of a show you want to listen to. But I mean, we talk about everything from sports. I have guests on occasionally, do a lot of solo shows, talk about anything really, just good stories. We do some current events and just try to have fun with it. And I'm, I'm only about 65 episodes in and uh, looking as the fall comes on, you know, it's a weekly show, I say. Usually it is a weekly show, but uh, it's going to be uh, hopefully ramping it up here a bit towards uh, the winter months and taking it a little bit more seriously into the new year. So I'd appreciate anyone listening to the show. Give me a chance. Check me out in the project. It's available. Uh, most places uh, podcasts are available, Apple, Spotify anyway. So give it a check out. I'm on Instagram and uh, at the project. And other than that, uh, not really huge social media presence you can find me on facebook too but uh yeah appreciate you checking me out but enough about that show darren uh let's uh get on with what we came here to do well i was gonna say before we get off that though i i was actually a guest on the project i think it's i'm episode 64 (laughs) and then yeah i I laughed i was on the show and then i don't think he came out with an episode for a month and i'm like holy shit i sunk it i thought i ended your show that's how bad it did yeah I'm like I no, was the, I was honestly, the anchor that finally brought that finally sunk the project. No, you were honestly one of my best guests because I mean it's it's nice having someone come on who's organized. You know, you don't gotta kind of catch them by the whim when they're doing what you know people are doing with their daily lives. So we had a really good episode, and then yeah, it just worked out that uh, there was a writer strike at the show, and we yeah. didn't have a, 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 we didn't have anything get uploaded for like a month and. Yeah, so the inconsistency of the summer months get a little carried away with work sometimes and whatnot, but like uh, the show's going to live on, and uh, there's definitely you know at least a couple episodes out a month, so give it a chance. You haven't listened to it. I can't believe I didn't give you the show, though, when you were one of my just last recent guests, but yeah, Darren's been on there. A couple other good guests, so give it a give it a listen if you have a chance anyways. I will say the the, the latest one with the the boating adventure there. You had me on the edge of your edge, edge of my seat at work. What is what is going to happen here? I won't spoil it for the people out there. You got to listen to it. It's uh, yeah, it, it's quite quite the quite the show. Well, I laugh. Like I said, I've told a bunch of people about the project and stuff, and uh, 
I've I've talked to a few people about it. They're you know they're the same thing. They're not really sure what it's about, but I can tell you my brother's a big listener and he he finds you very entertaining. So uh, you know, and he's like, but I don't know why. But he's he he amuses me. I'm not sure why, but he amuses me. Was his exact quote, I believe. So uh, yeah. But it is. It's uh Well, well, yeah. We'll have to take that as a good thing. Yeah. One day, maybe it'll have a better direction, and uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, for the time being, just kind of all over the place. But it'll live on. It's it'll like live that. On. It's I'm like happy that. That I have anything. Yeah, it's like the Seinfeld thing, right? It's a show about nothing. It's kind of that sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah. Y- yeah. You you have some interesting situations you get involved in. I always laugh because I've talked about that on this show. Like I've talked about my subway fucking run-ins and stuff like that and battling people at Walmart and, you know, and I, and like the joke is like if shit's going to happen, it'll happen to me kind of thing. Or I end up, it's not even any of my own doing. I just somehow end up stuck in the middle of like two other wing nuts and I'm end up in the middle of it or something by happenstance. Yeah. You're, you, some of your uh, shows have ended that way. Like you end up sort of getting stuck in that situation. I, I've definitely, I find myself being that guy a lot of the time. And I definitely do try and tell, cause I, I don't know. I, I find those are sometimes like just the dumbest, simplest everyday things that happen or sometimes the funniest stories to me. Oh, anyway, yeah. so I like to check those on, on the podcast and there's still some good, like some good tales that like, I don't even know if it's, it's not like they're not safe for the pod, but it's just like, I don't even know if it's like, how do you explain what's ha- what happened? And there's still a couple of those episodes that I need to bring forth, but I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, I definitely not find myself between a rock and a hard place sometimes, but definitely some interesting tales that I felt. Maybe that was part of the reason why I wanted to make a show, but I mean, for anyways, I'm not Joe Rogan, so... Definitely, it's hard to make a show where you don't have a no direction or anything like that. But uh, anyways, I have fun with it, and I certainly don't make a cent off it. So it's it's all for good laugh, and I have a good time doing it. So, you know, it is what it is. That's what it's about, right? But yeah, you're, like you said, though, right? It's the simplest things. And I think a lot of times, like, we, we don't really think about it, but people can identify with that. Like, even the one episode where I was ranting about the lady in front of me at Subway, just being a douchebag and ordering fucking 102 subs and just being an idiot about it. And I'm back there just wanting my one, right? Like, you know, and it's just, yeah. and just kind of ranting about it, whatever. Oh, I ended up, somebody mentioned it on, on one of my, on Twitter, on my account. Oh, and it ended up being this big, long thread. And like all these people are jumping in with their restaurant or their subway adventures and stories. And I think people can relate to that stuff. So every once in a while, when you find a relatable topic, you might be rambling just because it's, Something stupid that happened to you, but it's amazing. Like the, the, the while the world, like we said before, we got going. The world's full of a lot of stupid right now, so I think people can identify with oh, that yeah. stuff sometimes. So, well, I've I've lived a you know pretty regular Joe life in a lot of ways. So I found that so many things that I think are actually funny are just like like I can just like regular interactions with people at you know a, a regular job at school. It, on the city train and buses and stuff like that, the streets and in a corner store. Like I find comedy in situations like that is like more hilarious than half these people that are trying to be funny, especially today when you can't really be as fun. Like they're not making the movies they were. You're not saying people aren't saying the things that they were online that if they're not an absolute crazy person. So it, I find sometimes the best humor I find is just literally in like, everyday life bullshit that we all go through so yeah definitely people i i find i 
podcasters I really enjoy. I found that those are the ones I was intrigued with. So I was like, well, I definitely feel like we all have a lot of those stories. If you can find a way to talk about that, like we all kind of go through that. So I find it definitely a way to get the listener kind of going too, because well, that's what happens to me anyways. So try to practice what you preach anyway. No, absolutely. And uh, well, it's interesting, like you said, with your, with your journey, what a, what a segue, we'll get into your hockey here. But I mean, you know, you're, you're from Western Canada and you're played here in the Western League. Then you go all the way out to the Maritimes to play Junior A, Miramichi, you know, and then you're in Ontario going to university. So you've been all over Canada and then you're down in the States playing hockey. Like you, you've seen and you're down south and stuff. And then, you know, and then so you're sort of, you've seen quite a, a, a different demographic of people and different cultures. Even though it's the same country, Maritimes is completely different than the West, right? So it's like, like, yeah, North America, even in general, I find people were from, uh, you know, if you're from somewhere way across the world and not an English speaking country, like you could probably paint North America with a pretty broad brush and think that they're pretty much, you know, very similar like people. But now being especially, you know, across Canada, there's all like the different subcultures in Canada and especially, as we all know, the States is much like that itself. But, you know, Canada being a lot smaller and less covered and, a, you know, a lot less, you know, media attention, stories, movies about it. You know, get, I don't think a lot of people, especially in Canada, know how different, like, the East and West and Ontario are from different places. And Canada's so big, it's so expensive to travel around. A lot of people don't get to go around and see how different that people are in different parts of the country and, what matters to them, what what they get into, or you know what their interests are, just how they live their lives, the industries they're involved in. So I thought it was so fascinating. Like you said, I was very fortunate. I didn't get to play in the NHL or anything like that, but I was very fortunate enough to just have a hockey career that you know I played till I was 27 years old. I got to play in multiple different towns. Just got to see. Never got to do Europe. I would have loved to gone over and play a season or two over in Europe, but just wasn't in my cards and. Uh, but I got to see some great towns and meet some great people. And, yeah, very, very fortunate for that. That's definitely the most, most fortunate thing I am for my hockey career, just getting involved with the sport in general is just, you know, the people I got to meet and the places I got to go. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but, you know, especially for a guy, didn't make a million dollars playing the game, but God, I got a million dollars worth of memories for sure. That's, you know, definitely worth every second of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, oh, you're going to make a million dollars roofing. I know it. That that new that new business yeah, is going to be money. I'm telling you, but uh, uh, <laughs> well, like you said, you, you finished. So you finished university. Um, you did go down in the Southern Pro League, uh, and you played in Birmingham for nine games the one year and fifteen the next. And you know you kind of got going late, and then the obviously the pandemic and blah blah blah. Um, and I remember that's when I had you on the show, and we talked about yeah. it. And at that point, you were sort of up in the air about whether you're going to play or not. And you and the girlfriend were talking yeah. about it and whatever, and you were kind of training, kind of, well, I don't know. And I know you had talked to some teams in Europe and everything. Um, what? How did the journey to, and of course you ended up playing in, in Fayetteville with the Marksman in the Southern Pro League. How did that all come about? And how did you, how did you end up in Fayetteville? And really, was Birmingham even an option to go back to? Or did you like, yeah, I don't really want to. I want to go somewhere else. How? What, take us to that. How did you come up with and end up in Fayetteville? Yeah, so, I mean, 
I was, uh, it was early in the off season that, uh, so that would have been what, 20, the 2021 season played a bit in Birmingham that year. And that was the COVID season when COVID was nuts. And, um, they did, the spill didn't start till 26th boxing day in Canada, as they call it. I find you say boxing day anywhere in the States, they look at you like you have three heads. So I always like to clarify that in case someone from the States is listening. Boxing Day was when the season started, the first day of the year, the first game of the year, and it was, uh, I can't remember how many games they were going to play. I want to say it was like 50, I don't know, they were basically getting a full year in, I think, but it was uh, the year there were, weren't many uh, teams playing that year. There was only five of the uh, 11 teams now in the spill playing. There was only like 13 coast teams out of 30, whatever they have now, 31 or 32, whatever. So there's not a lot of bodies, so I mean, not a lot of places for all these bodies to play. So it was an absolute factory, and I got cut from Birmingham mid-season. And like I'd been there before, like when the the year the year prior, when like you know things were normal. And I mean, I loved I loved Birmingham, and I had a great time playing there. And I mean, no love lost for playing in Birmingham. Great spot, great city. Uh, good guys that are still there, and I loved playing there. But I just thought, like after getting cut from there. I was like, well, I might as well try to look out some different options. And Fayetteville had been probably, I think they were the first team that called me in the off season. And it was really early. And I was almost like kind of impressed. I was like, wow, these guys are getting on it. Like these guys aren't wasting time. Like, so I kind of was impressed by that. They had a new coach going in, Corey Melkert, who took over last season, um, whom I kind of already knew from, uh, his mother lived in uh, North Bay where I went to school. So I used to skate with him in the summers. We used to have like a skate up there for anyone that was, you know, still playing junior at a high level or pro or all the school guys. We had a good skate just for anyone to stay in shape. And he was in town and he got in touch with us and we skated with him for a summer or two when he was still playing. And so I loosely knew who he was already, like never played with him, but like I knew him, I knew him, I knew him anyway. And, but he was getting in touch with me, and like, I kind of was saying the whole thing all summer long. Like, I was humming and hawing. Like, COVID was really weird. Like, I mean, especially when I was having a, you know, having a girlfriend, too, that, like, is back home always makes you guys feel like when you're playing, especially one that's not coming with you down to play, like, you're always kind of like, well, am I going to go? Am I going to not go? Like, you're bouncing. That's what it was like for me anyways. So I eventually realized, like, the European opportunities that I was pursuing fell through. I remember I was literally, it was funny. I was working one day and the team I was talking to was in France, the second division. And I was talking about going on to be one of their imports. And I was working one day and I was literally on the john, like going to the wall, like taking a dump. And I'm checking elite prospects on the homepage. And I see that this guy got signed to this team that I'm hoping to go to. And I knew they only had one more import spot. So that was how I found out that I wasn't going there. And I was like, so I texted the coach like right away or like my, and my agent, I guess my agent at the time, I texted him and messaged him. I was like, screenshot. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going there. And at the time I had this, which you should never do when I'm about to tell you I did. I made this promise with my girlfriend at the time. I was like, cause I was certain I was like, ah, I feel pretty good about this opportunity over in France. I mean, it's the second league, so not the best money or whatever, but you know, it's the opportunity to go over there. So I told my girlfriend who like, did not want me to play, but like I'd kind of made it seem like I'd been done with it after the year prior. So she's looking forward to like, you know, moving on and, you know, getting on with her lives. And then I start telling her, okay, I'm like, well, if I go to the front, if I can play in France, I'll play. And if not, I won't, won't play. 
And then, of course, the France thing fell through. And then <laughs> I was, like, working uh, all through September. And, I mean, it was time to go to Fayetteville. If I remember correctly, it was, like, maybe a week and a half before, two weeks before that I had to be there that I signed. And uh, my girlfriend wasn't pleased because I, you know, I was my lack of communication <laughs> through the whole process that made it seem like I was pretty dead set on not playing if Europe didn't work out. And sure enough, through that process, like I kind of had the itch. I hadn't really been staying in shape, but like I'm the kind of guy that like I do like working out like in general anyway. So I've, I was in decent shape. I do roofs. So, you know, I was doing physical labor all summer. I wasn't in bad shape, but like I usually was a big like, huge gym guy like wouldn't miss a day five days a week and not that made me some like superstar player but that's how I had to feel good to play so then this year I ended up signing and I got there and I hadn't really trained at all and then I mean I won't go too into the season there but thankfully didn't feel too bad but yeah it was a kind of a last minute decision to go to Fayetteville and um I'm really happy I did honestly I'm glad I played the one more year it was awesome and uh yeah, I mean, honestly, the SP was like a league I didn't know much about and not a lot of people do know about it. And the ones that do know about it know enough to know that it's like the fourth league in the North America, so they probably don't speak too highly of it. It's, but, uh, yeah, I had a fucking riot. It was a great time. And, I mean, I totally recommend anyone going to the SP, to be honest. Okay. Well, so there. So now we've we've pissed the girlfriend off. We're kind of in shape. We're kind of not. <laughs> Haven't really skated. Were you doing any skating? Like, had you skated at all? So, it was, um, when I'd been doing roofs, the only reason I ever got involved with doing roofs in the first place was it was, like, right before the pandemic started, I had graduated from school. Or, uh, yeah, I graduated from school, so that would have been, like, 1920. It was that summer. I, uh, like, the world was, like, shut down. And yeah. um, my girlfriend, we were, I was, planning on moving back to Calgary right after university. Me and my girlfriend had a place in North Bay for my last year of school. Our plan was, we'd always talk about, was just, you know, heading out west after school. But then the pandemic happened, and we were like, okay, well, we can't really just, like, drive across the country right now and move. It's not really an ideal time for that. So she's from Stratford. So we've been down in the Stratford area now for the last, whatever that is, three years or whatever. So I started roofing with my buddy then, and... um he kind of taught me how to do it. And there's a guy that I played with and he's still playing to this day. I don't know if he's going to play this year either, but we were both still playing. So what we were been doing for the last, you know, several years was we'd both go away and then we'd come home and just smash out as many roofs as we could together. And then, um, yeah, we ended up coming back this way. And I mean, uh, here we are now both, uh, looking to probably hang them up, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was what I did to support myself anyways, post school through, uh, the whole deal. But, uh, so, okay, so now, like you said, right, you got the, you got the, the irritated girlfriend at home, but you hop in the, <laughs> what do you call the car? What do you call the Jeep? What's it called? I, a name for I it. drive a 2008, I have a 2008 Dodge Dakota that I've had since I've, I've driven, my mom got it when I was in ninth grade. I've driven it personally since I was 19. So I have brought that thing with me every destination I've played and lived with since then. So yeah, I was back in the Dakota heading south. Yeah, so you hop in the Dakota, you got the gear, and away we go to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, what are your first impressions when you get there and you uh, and they give you your 
your living place, your apartment, and everything else. What's what's the uh, what's Harrison thinking of this of his decision at this point? Well, at this point in my life, uh, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of awesome drives, and I like doing road trips alone because I've had to travel a lot of places alone. So that's how I've gotten used to doing them. So I forget. I remember. I don't know why. I don't know why it ended up doing that. Oh, okay, like I remember at the time I got my first ever roofing job like by myself and that was a really big deal for me but I was just about to leave for hockey and like get there for training camp and so I didn't know if I could fit it in I wanted to spend some time with my girlfriend and the family and you know pack up and get ready to leave but I snuck in a roof I did a two roofs at a campground with these two bathroom buildings I did a two two roofs I didn't I just did them by myself for cash and I was really fired up, just had the opportunity to do one by myself. Like I'd worked really hard to get to the point to know how to do some roofs. And I've wanted to, you know, start doing that myself. So I was like, well, I got to, I got to get this one in. It's my first opportunity. So I smashed those out really fast, but it, it rained one day and I got pushed back a day. So I, I, I don't know why, but I literally left at some hilarious hour and I drove through uh, the border of Buffalo. It was probably like sometime late afternoon. And then, by the time I got into North Carolina, Fayetteville, it was like, I want to say it was 4 a.m., 3, 4 a.m. when I actually rolled in. So I was choked because I was going through, like, Virginia, like the Appalachians. I wanted to see the mountains, and I was going through all this at night. So I was kind of choked. But anyway, so I roll into Fayetteville. Hard to get a really good feel for the town when you've never seen it. You don't know where you are. Never been this area before. So I rolled in. Thank God uh, my roommate was a guy that I'd played with in Birmingham and he had signed with Fayetteville. So he's a guy from Estevan, Saskatchewan, Tanner Fraze, good Saskatchewan boy. There you go. And I, I'd been in touch with him, former Estevan Bruin actually too. I think he was the captain, but anyway, not to get carried away here. He, he was there. So thank God. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty good at meeting new guys anyways, but I, you know, it was 4am. I didn't want to come kicking the door and the random guy, but at least I knew my buddy Tanner. So it wasn't that big of a deal. We had another roommate at the time, too, but he literally was there and gone in the morning. An East Coast team picked him up. I don't even remember meeting him, honestly. It was that fast. But, yeah, we get into our living quarters, and uh, guys that have played in this league, we always joke, like, every single apartment in the SPHL is the exact same. I swear to God, they're the exact same. They're either maybe, – maybe they're two bedrooms, maybe they're three bedrooms. Maybe you're lucky enough to get your own bathroom – but they're pretty much like just what you'd imagine, like generic apartment. You walk in, kitchen, little dining room to your left, carpet, little area that you could have your TV room. I had a three-bedroom. There was a master bedroom, which Tanner was in because it was his fourth year in the league. You get that veteran status. That's how it goes. You know, you get games played usually. Yep. That's how you figure stuff like that out. And then so he was in the master, and then I just was in the empty room and – the other side of the house and me and the other lad had to share a bathroom. But, uh, yeah, so I get in there and honestly, pretty much a very similar setup, same sort of a complex co- apartment complex style, like living quarters with like, you know, outdoor parking. This place had an outdoor pool, much like the places I'd lived in, uh, other places I'd played. So it was, uh, nothing really out of character there, but then like I got in there at 4am and I remember we had to be there, the next day at 9 a.m. 
and then we were going to skate at 10 a.m. And, like, I hadn't skated in a couple of weeks, so I was like, fuck. But thankfully, I don't know what happened. I can't remember if the Zamboni broke down or the um, something with the ice plant. The ice wasn't ready and the Zamboni was broken or something. We couldn't skate that day, and I was literally like, thank God. Because I, I didn't have it in me. I was really tired. But anyway, so, yeah, we got there. Like, the thing about the SP that's great, like, you don't make tons of money, but, like, your living's taken care of. Um you can golf for cheap, if not free. And so, like, yeah, I got there. I was in Fayetteville at 4 a.m. And after the ice got canceled, we did, like, our little introductory meeting. Like, I was on the golf course at, like, noon already with, like, a, my roommate, Tanner, who I knew, and then two guys whom I'd never met that were on the team. Like, you know, we already kind of being boys, and we hit the golf course. And, you know, the nice thing about the SP, there's no real, like, training camp. We showed up on a Friday. And our next, our we had no exhibition games, and which is beautiful. No exhibition games, and the, the season started Friday the next week. So we rolled in, skated for a week, and got after it. It was perfect. There you go. Well, speaking of that, yeah, we'll just uh, just a sidetrack for a second to go back to your like to back to your Lethbridge days. How annoying were exhibition games? They were annoying, and like I mean, they're annoying at any point. I find because. If you're a young guy coming into all this shit, you're in there, there's a bunch of extra bodies at camp. Like, you're looking at who's in the lineup, who's not in the lineup. You're, like, trying to figure out if it's a good thing if you're playing, if it's a bad thing if you're not. And then if you're an older guy, like, especially if you're playing in the Western League, like, you got to play 72-game seasons. And they're playing, like, something like... I definitely remember playing, like, seven or eight exhibition games. Like, just way too many. Or, like, you go to... We would do like turn. It's always like a tournament. And when I played in Lethbridge, we'd do the tournament up in Crow's Nest Pass. And we'd be playing like the Hitman and Kootenai at the time, the ice. And you'd, but you'd just have to drive up. You go play in like these minor hockey barns with concrete boards. And then you got guys just finishing every check because every guy's all horned up to try and make the team. Guys are fighting putting your head off the freaking steel posts that are on the boards because the place is a minor hockey barn, like I said. So, yeah, exhibitions were never too fondly looked at. And, I mean, yeah, you might want one or two to get your feet wet. But, honestly, like, I thought it was really weird hearing that the SP didn't have any exhibition games. But the second I heard that, I was like, thank God. Like, that's, like, I couldn't imagine what they would look like. Because the SP is kind of a shit show at the start anyways because – Last year, it's not usually like this. Like we were in, we were at, we were in this. This SPHL started before the coast, which made no sense because, like, I didn't, I didn't go to any ECHL camp to start the year. But like, we started our year. We had an older team in the spill, so we didn't lose many guys. But like, the spill started for like the first weekend, and then camps in the coast opened up the next week. So like, you know, most SP teams like Cripe sometimes like. You might lose, you could might lose 10 guys to coast camps and all these guys go and a lot of them know they probably won't make it, but you know, they're going to go. So then like, I just laugh. I'm like the SP, like whoever runs the scheduling there, sometimes I laugh. I'm like, what are they thinking? So last year we start the season and then it was just like, we're a week into the year and it's war. It's like famine. There's like no bodies to go around because everyone's at ECHL camps. We've got guys that like, myself been hanging off a roof from a harness by my neck for all summer and all of a sudden i'm playing 35 minutes and i'm just like holy shit <laughs> welcome to the sp day this is what a full year in the sp feels like not a covid season 
Yeah, but no, it was it was great. It was a riot. Again. It was I can't honestly like it's it is a very good time and I think I always had aspirations of like I mean, I think I said this multiple times already. I, I realized that like a younger age I'm like, okay. I'm in the Western League. Even though I was in the Western League, I was okay. Like I'm in the Western League, but like NHL is probably not my reality right now. And I should probably start like thinking about like if I want to play, like what's you know what's realistic to accomplish here for the style of player you are. And I, I was more of a North American style guy. Like not saying I was some heavyweight fighter, but like he, he, I'm a defenseman naturally. Played forward in the dub, but like as a D man, like I'm a stay at home D man. I'm an off the glass and you know, out guy. D to D off the glass, play real simple and don't get a ton of points. Don't score a lot of goals. And like kind of hard to sell yourself over to Europe with that. Like, yeah, you could be a stay at home defenseman with not great offensive numbers, or maybe you're just shit. Like it's very easy. If you're a big body Canadian guy putting up good numbers, you know, they probably have a good idea that you're going to come over and be able to play. So I always found, I was like, the ECHL is like where I want to be at. That's like the level I think that I, I could play at and, you know, be be not like, you know, be a, the player that I've always been, just play that shutdown role, you know, not a power play guy, but, you know, just play that solid, you know, top, maybe that's a top four, maybe that's bottom pair, you know, whatever the team needs kind of thing role. That was always my plan. And then I don't want to make excuses with COVID and stuff like that, but like the way COVID rolled out and the way I went into the spill and I had a couple seasons under my belt now, like, I don't know. It just kind of didn't work out for me in that regard. I got no regrets, but it's just what happened to me. And I ended up being an SP guy. And I mean, I had no problem with it. It is a really good level of hockey still. Like maybe not as, um, I found even that like I played one game in the ECHL this year. And I'll have to tell you a bit about that because like that could be a podcast. episode. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's it's a good level and like to touch on to what you mentioned earlier about how I've been able to play in Alberta, New Brunswick, Ontario, and now in the States. And I, and I might've mentioned this probably on our last episode that I was on with you. The one thing I have just noticed is like, you know, hockey's not the most popular sport in the world by any means, but I mean, just playing in all these different places I've played, like it just fascinates me how many good hockey players are actually out there. Like, especially you come to the SPHL level, and I and I, I, I always found this so funny to me. Like, people, and for anyone listening to this, like, this isn't me, this isn't me, like, dissing the SPHL at all. This is me, like, giving an honest, like, representation of how it was looked at in my life growing up. Like, I know a lot of people that even play in the SPHL, and until they're done school and it becomes an option, like, they don't even know what it is. But I was, like, always a elite prospect, hockey DB, like, nerd hero going up through, like, grade school because, you know, we, we did do a lot of stuff on the computers, and I found these sites, and I'd always be looking at, you know, stats and all this bullshit online. So I knew what the SPHL was for a long time, and it was always kind of something that we laughed. Like, we'd make jokes, like, and, like, especially, you know, it's the same thing when you play major junior. Like, when you're in major junior, like, guys look down upon playing youth sports hockey. Like, it's a joke. It'd be like, if a guy's not taking it seriously or if he has a bad game, he'll be like, buddy, you keep playing like that. Like, you're you're looking at youth sports here. Like, that's just the way it's talked, like a joke. But it was always like that growing up, talking. People would make those jokes about the SP all the time. 
be like, oh, like people would call it the Stop Playing Hockey League. Or what the Stop Playing Hockey League, or one of the funniest ones I always heard was the Supportive Parent Hockey League. Because you ain't making much money, so your your parents must be helping you a bit to play in that one. And it, it is, I mean, it is definitely true to a degree. But so I always had this negative connotation. I'd always be like, I ain't playing in the spill. It's like the coast, or I'm hanging them up. And then sure enough, ended up in the spill and just blow, blown away by the amount of good players that are still down there because I knew nothing about like D3 hockey or really even the NCAA for that matter. But I knew NCAA players like D1. I knew that they were obviously high caliber and really good. Played a couple exhibition games against D1 teams that were nasty. So I'm like, these guys are gross. But then, like, I knew nothing about D3 schools. And then I was like, man, the kids that are coming from D3, like, these guys are gross. And then I was like, then there's, like, Europeans that are, for some reason, sometimes sprinkled down in the spill, too. And they're coming from, like, God knows where. And I'm like, these guys are gross. I just can't believe, like, how many people are good players. And, like, the spill is, um, I mean, it might not have as much and skill as even like the ECHL what obviously doesn't it's a, it's a league lower but these are good players and I, I found the thing I liked about the, the the SP just plays such a true North American game like a lot of dump and chase but just like just pure North American style like even it's almost like it's a couple years behind because like you know the way that these upper leagues are going now you know NHL and a lot of these other leagues included like, the way they're playing now, like, I watch the game and I'm just like, I know we, like, obviously, especially this show here, like, we like to talk about, you know, favoring all, you know, a lot of fighting and shit like that. And like, that's obviously absent. We don't even need to touch on that. But just the way that these guys are playing the team, like, playing the game now, the systems and the skill that is now in the game, like, I watch it. And I was an active player two a year ago. I'd just be like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> so, like, the spill was a little more old school in the way that they'd get the guys to play. And I know it's, you know, a little lower level of the league in North America, so that might make sense. But I really liked the way they played. And one thing I started to really like, too, was just, like, honestly, the, the guys that play in it. Because yeah. Yeah. the guys that play in it, they've played probably, you know, they've all cut. If you're playing in the spill, like, you kind of have a slice of humble pie. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, some, some guys don't for sure, but I found even in the ECHL, like guys, guys can play in the ECHL at my age, just even being there, not even being a great player. And they could think that they're pretty, they, they might as well be Austin Matthews the way they like perceive themselves sometimes as the vibes I've getting too. So like, I just found a lot of the, a lot of the SD guys were <clears throat> really down to earth. I think they, like, realize that, like, you know, no one's here is making a million dollars. Like, everyone there is playing because they love the game. They love the lifestyle. They love the talent that they get to play in. And honestly, like, the SD, you were treated so well. Like, like I've, I mean, very limited East Coast experience. But, like, basically, for the most part right now, like, high-level sports in general, from frickin' high school now to the NHL, like, they all kind of – the game day – operation like the way their players are treated and stuff like now on game days and at practices and with all the nice facilities like <clears throat> you saw i've seen high school facilities with nicer rooms than like the calgary flames i'm sure you saw that video when they're yeah. when they're showing them around kenzie Weger, everyone's going nuts about that but it's true so like in the sp like you're getting treated just as well as i mean 
and that people could be laughing at me hearing me say that because I never played at like some of these nasty spots, but like you're getting treated very well. And uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly speak very highly about the league because it, uh, anyone that wouldn't speak highly of it is talking of just from the fact that it's, you know, it is a fourth league in North America. But if they're talking negatively about it, there's a good chance they know nothing about it. Because I can be honest, I didn't know anything about it, and it was just, like, funny to joke about, you know. But, no, it's great league and great time, and uh, they still play a little rough down there, thank God. There's no there's no fight restrictions like uh, like the East Coast League, so <coughs> they, they still got that going for them. And I think, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I look back at... Um, all these leagues that you got me to uh, come in touch with through your like accounts and on Facebook and whatnot. And I just hope that this league just, you know, lasts and keeps going for a long time because it's an, un- op- like if I did, if I was a single guy and like I didn't have, you know, other interests I was, you know, looking to pursue. I honestly, if I could make it work, I would play in the spill till I wasn't able to put my feet over the boards and, and take a shift. No. To be yeah. and, it, and it's interesting, like, some of the guys that can do that, right? Either they've, you know, like you said, <laughs> the, the parents have uh, come up with some cash or, or their spouse has got money or whatever. They were lucky enough to find themselves a doctor, so they're good. Or a lawyer or something, you know, so they can play until they can't go over the yeah. boards anymore. I was going to say, with just kind of looking at the Fayetteville roster and stuff, and you had kind of talked about it, you mentioned it briefly. Um, I was actually surprised with the um, the age of, of that Fayetteville team. You had a lot of older guys on that team for a Southern pro team. It seemed well, like anyway. Well, I, I think for, for any pro team, probably well, but yeah. I found uh, the spill too. I find like it's, I don't understand it. It's a very unique league because there's multiple stops in that league that if you look, they have guys that have played there for six, seven straight years. Yeah. And like, you don't even get that in any league really so when you see that i'm like they're being treated to a degree that they ain't leaving and like if, if they weren't being treated well like i don't think they're playing seven straight years there so i mean something's adding up and uh yeah like honestly it's 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 just a they do do a really good job and it's it's only an 11 team league but uh it's you're not making tons of money but if you can find a way i don't know especially nowadays, like me and the guys would always joke, like, like what if we just got really into crypto and just turned this into an investment firm and just worked for like the next, just played here for the next 10 years. Like who cares? Like you could probably swing it to be honest. Well, and I was going to say though, and especially like, well, I guess probably every team has one of these guys, but like down there, like you said, you got some older guys that maybe been in the league for a few years or the guy that's been on the team for like, you know, four or five, six years. Like those dudes got the hookups though. Like they know where to go in town and they got go here, forget your tires, read, you know, or the oil change. This guy will do it for you. I know a guy, you know, that can get it for you at a price. Every dressing room has got to have that guy. Oh, oh, for sure. Or like one thing, like not you, like even if you guys were definitely great to like, I don't know. I remember like show you around, like, especially like, I don't know, when I first came into pro, like, you needed a guy like that to, cause you got for DM. And then your SPHL, you know, you gotta, you gotta find out how to bargain and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You gotta find out how to budget so that, you know, yeah, you definitely, uh, be talking to an older guy, be telling you hilarious stuff like that. 
But um, what the fuck was I even going to just say? I just had to, I had to tip my tongue there. Well, how much what, how much was the how much was per diem for you guys? Per diem was uh, we got. And I believe this was both spots I played. I want to say they like so we'd go away for like a three and three, say like that. We're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They give you a per diem for like I think it was twenty five bucks a day is what I want to say it was. And you then like when I played in school and and in junior, you know, like you go to Boston Pizza after the game or. You stop there before the game, or they get pizza on the bus, or they all get you subs. Like the SB, like you don't do any of that. Like you're on your own. Like you got to go eat what you got to eat. And then, like you know, some guys you'd see were smart enough. You'd look over at a guy, certain road trip. You'd see him, like you know, maybe he's pay- making some pasta and coming home, and it'd be a guy that you would see that would usually be getting Chipotle on the road. And you'd see that, and then, especially when I was like a first year guy, like didn't know the roadies well yet. I'd be like, oh shit. I'd be like there's a reason why this guy's not just going to Chipotle today. And then you find out that you're stopping at the Love's truck stop and you're eating, you're eating churros before the game. Like there's a lot of learning curves when you're playing in minor bro hockey like that. So like, they don't teach you that. They don't talk about that. So I found like stuff like that was fucking hilarious. Like just, so yeah, definitely just go, we were lucky to have a little bit of a group of older guys. And I'm not, I'm not old. I'm a 94 but I find like the ninety, the ninety six and up to like about the mind. I feel like we're all kind of on the same page. Like, I mean, even we played junior like ten years ago, and a lot's changed in ten years, and the world, and especially hockey itself as well. So I just found it was it was really nice playing with a little bit of an older squad for sure. Not to double back to your other question there, but. But like, yeah. So, like, say you're playing, you're on the road, you're playing in Peoria or whatever. Once the game's done, like, there, there's no fucking like spread or anything for you guys. Like, you got to go out in the night and find oh, some food. Actually, now that you say that, I'm an idiot. I forgot. So, when you play on the road, when you play on the road, you, um, you get so that. Okay, I remember I had a brain. I actually had a mental collapse. I mean, I remember what I was trying to say. Every team has a booster club in the Southern League. Yep. They all have booster clubs. So when you play on the road, so like say you play in Knoxville, the booster club for Knoxville prepares Fayetteville a little like a little meal that you they have it like on a table for you usually when you leave, or like when you went to Macon, their booster club did like a buffet, and you'd go into this diner dining hall and you'd literally line up like, and then both teams, both teams would be in there like eaten after a game and i'd be like this it was so weird like i remember one time this season i like uh i mean it was pretty greasy kind of cheap on my part but there was this guy on macon that was like you know a guy that likes to take make take hits make take hits make take the body and he hit my roommate and i didn't like it and i usually don't do this but i just went like hit the eject on the mitts and we both, like, nothing even really happened. Like, I wouldn't even call it a fight. We both got kicked out of the game, I think. Or, no, I got kicked out of the game for jumping the guy. I got a five-minute major. I don't know why. And, like, the process of me grabbing him, I think I pushed him into my roommate. Like, I don't even know if I punched him. Somehow his nose, like, was bleeding. And it looked really bad. Like, for someone who didn't really see what happened, it probably looked like I came in there like kingdom come and just drilled him. But I didn't even really. But then after the game, like, we're having – having a buffet style dinner like together in the room after and i was just laughing i was like could you imagine if this was like in the 80s and they had this setup 
I was like, I could see like something going awry very fast. Luckily, the boys are pretty tame these days. They don't have any food fights going in the making Coliseum post game after the meal. Yeah, they're, they're, but yeah, that's what that, it was that, like. that shit wouldn't have been going down in the '90s or the '80s. I can tell you that there'd be no serving the meal at the same team at the same time. That wouldn't happen, I don't think, because that would just end up in making. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so that was that was funny to me. But yeah, so you you did get meals on the road after the game, like if you were hopping on the bus and leaving or going back to your hotel. But other than that, like you're on your own for breakfast and, and pregame, and you know if you wanted snacks, obviously at night and stuff like that, you're on your own. But uh, yeah, I mean the nice thing, I, I just like playing at that, especially that older. Once you finally get out of school, like school was fun because you know we'd have our road trips and stuff. But because but but because it was university, it was so annoying. Like you'd be 25 years old in Montreal playing the next night. And if you wanted to go get a beer, like someone's getting mad at you because you're technically on a school trip. And like, yeah, it's, it's, they're not even mad at you. They're just like, cause we're here with the university. I, they, they'd get mad at us. Cause they'd be like, I just can't hear this shit about you guys getting in anywhere drinking. So it'd be a hassle. You'd be like 25 years old. And the guys, people are telling you, you can't have a beer on a, on a, on a at a restaurant with your dinner. I'd be like, this is absurd. So I thing I loved about the SP, like, not a huge booze hound or anything like that, but like, you know, we'd be playing in Quad City or some hilarious town I've never been in and can't sleep. Like, I'd walk down the street and like go to a hilarious bar and just like grab one or two by myself and just relax before the night. So, yeah, it was a great time. Well, speaking of the, like you said, so you're on the road. What was your, um, well, you had to have had, was there any fucking like, you know, bus driver got sick, player had to drive, bus wasn't running. Did you have any crazy bus stories? <laughs> yeah, I had one really good bus story, actually. So our bus driver, his name was Kenny. And he and so we had a sleeper bus, and I know everyone knows that, but, like, for anyone that for some reason wouldn't know what that meant, like, our bus just looked exactly what you'd imagine, like a bus, is, uh, like a bus for a band on a tour would look like other than, like, the bunk bed situation. But, like, the front of it was set up just like a tour bus for a band. And anyways, we had this guy named Kenny, and he was a bus driver, and he was a former Marine, and he was an absolute beauty. And uh, he smoked, like, so much that, like, when he talks, like, you know, it just sounded like he was, like, talking through, like, a carburetor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You could tell when someone's a heavy smoker. Like, he and this gravel. guy certainly yeah. was. Yeah, he sounded like he was just chewing on gravel at all times. And he smoked, I can still remember them, like the Hollywood, uh, the Marlboro, like, are they Hollywood? They're Marlboro Golds. That's what they were, Marlboro Golds. I can still see them. He'd have, like, he'd have a whole carton on the on the dashboard whenever we'd walk in. And, like, this bus wasn't too old, but, like, had to have been at least 10, 15 years old because it just had that. It had that vibe that, like, the cigarette carton being on that dashboard didn't look out of place. Like, it looked like it was supposed to be there. Tremendous. And this guy, like, we'd, it'd be like, it, it, when we first, he didn't do this when we first, he was our bus driver, I think, on every trip we had almost. And I don't know if I remember this at the first couple trips, but all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're going on the road and we're on our way home, and, I, and I'm going to take a piss at night. And I'm like, do I smell fucking cigarettes? And I'm like, I smell cigarettes. And like, it was pretty quiet up there. Like, I don't remember if we won or if it was a long enough trip that it kind of died down. So I walked up there. And like, I, I have always, like, I love bus drivers. Like, 
I always found some guys were kind of dicks to the bus drivers and didn't give them time of day. And I just always felt so bad for them because they're alone, right? And if, if no one gives them the time of day, like they're surrounded by people all the day, all day, and if no one's nice to them, like, fuck, that can make for a long day. And, like, they're the ones carting us around. So I've always had a huge, huge soft spot for bus drivers, and I've always been really nice to them. And I love uh, talking to them and making sure they're not, like, lonely on the road, you know, because I'm sure – I've played on teams where a lot of people aren't too, you know, they're not giving the bus driver much time of day, not being rude to him, but giving them the time of day. So I was already like, his name's Kenny, and I'd always, hey, Kenny, how you doing? Whenever I'd seen him, I'd be asking him random questions about the bus and shit. So I had no problem. He had this curtain that he'd draw. He could, like, pull it across so we couldn't see up there, and he couldn't see back there if we had the tunes going or something like that or lights on. So I just pulled the curtain back, and I'm like, gonna tell him like i smell cigarettes <laughs> basically being like or like i'm investigating and then sure enough kenny's just ripping darts in uh the front seat of the bus there and then so i see this happen one time and we would always buy a bunch of beers on the bus and it was uh not a bunch of beer i shouldn't say that maybe you should edit that out I'm joking but especially nowadays i feel like a pussy for even saying that but um we would if we like played like usually if we had a long road trip home we'd be able to get beers and I don't know how it happened like can't remember if we even won or lost but I ended up getting a case of beer and the best part about our bus was it had so like the staircase would go up you know what any bus looks like you take the stairs up but this bus had a little flip out seat that was in the stairway and so I found out about this and we're leaving Birmingham. And so our little, one of our trainers used to like sit there when the bus would be pulling into like ranks or maybe for the first 10 minutes when, when we'd be leaving somewhere. And so like I kind of found out about this seat. And then one day when we were leaving Birmingham, just picked up our beers. I, I hope this is like, I just hope this isn't illegal to say, but I just sat in that cockpit seat and I just drank beer the whole, it's a, it was a nine hour drive from Birmingham to Fayetteville. And I sat there, drank beer, and smoked Hollywood Golds with Kenny, our bus driver, because he told me stories about being in the Marines and told me his views on politics basically the whole way home. We got, I remember we, we pulled in at 8 a.m. The sun was up, and I hadn't gone to bed yet after our game, and I remember just being like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I, was like, this, I was like, this is why I came down here. <laughs> that's tremendous. Yeah. Kenny, I hope you're listening to this. That's <laughs> tremendous. Um, I hope he is listening. He, um, I think he, he used to be a, a bus driver in the East Coast League too. Long time bus driver. Like that guy made me laugh. So like some bus drivers, they they love hockey and they don't miss a game and they can tell you great stories about players they've seen or hilarious shit. Kenny was like the guy that wouldn't even come in the rink. So God bless Kenny. He was a rock star. Like he'd come out and he'd just be like leaning against the light pole in the parking lot, just smoking cigarettes, waiting for the game to be over and the boys get in the bus and he'd shut the door and we'd be on our way. There you amazing. go. There you go. Uh, well, uh, of, of your journey around the Southern Pro League, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What was your favorite place to play in and what was the shittiest place to play in? Huh. That's the thing about the SB. A lot of nice barns. There are some shit barns, though, too. I um, never played. I was lucky enough because the SB's weird. Like, some guys have, like, never. Like, some guys can play three years in the league and might not have been to every barn in the league yet. It's very odd how it can work out sometimes. Like, last year, it's an 11 team league. We didn't even play Vermilion County, the new team, once. 
Really? So huh. kind of weird. I I don't think I think there's that might have just been because of COVID for a couple of years probably impacted that. But they, so I don't I think next year they're changing that. But I've been lucky to go. I've been to every barn except uh, Vermilion County, which I heard is dog meat, and I heard it's nothing to speak of. And sorry if you're a Vermilion County fan or from Vermilion County, but I've seen some pictures too. It doesn't it doesn't look great. But uh, no, the SP actually has some really good barns, and um, I gotta say that uh, Huntsville is probably the nicest. Huntsville's really nice, like, and that's also where they have their. Um, there's a Div One team down there, Alabama Huntsville. I, I don't know if they folded if they came back, but they share the rink with them. But it's weird that town. They don't give a shit about the D One hockey team. Like they just get crickets, no fans at all. But then in Huntsville, like the places are the place is pretty sweet actually. It's uh, they, they I don't know how many would hold probably like eight nine thousand maybe, uh, but it's beautiful beautiful barn. Peoria is sick, obviously Peoria being an AHL legendary AHL team for years. Like I, I always laugh that they're even an SP team because I hear the Rivermen and I see the logo and I like I remember the first time I played them I was like this just feels so off being in the SPHL playing the Peoria Rivermen right now. Tony Twist jersey retired there. Yeah, I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just going about to say that for you. I laughed. Like, I remember skating out there. It was the first thing I noticed, the beautiful number six up there in the wall. Uh, yeah, pretty sweet spot. Um, Evansville, Ford Center, it's honestly like an NHL arena. It's almost like it's so nice that, like, honestly, it's probably the nicest barn in the league almost, but... It's almost like t- it's too nice because, like, they have, like, I remember when I played there, they had 2,200 fans. It was like playing at the Saddle Dome with 2,200 fans. So, like, it was cool. Great barn, but I was like, it's kind of lonely when you're playing in front of that many people in that big of a spot. And, um, but, um, I mean, there's a couple other nice ones too. Like, Fayetteville's actually really nice. Big barn, late 90s barn, but like holds 9,000. Maybe a little big for Fayetteville and their hockey market. Um, but they, I mean, Fayetteville, we got good, we got good fans. It just wasn't, uh, it wasn't the same as, uh, if it would have been like, we'd get 3000 people, but that feels a lot crazier than, uh, it, it, in a 3000 seat barn than it does in the crown. That's for sure. With 9,000. That's why I like Birmingham, honestly, Birmingham, it's not like the most beautiful rink. If you'd ever seen it, the, the Pelham civic center, but it's the right size for that league. And it only holds about like forty one, forty two hundred if it's sold out. So even if you have three thousand, thirty five hundred in there, it looks jammed. It's loud, and they got great fans in Birmingham. And again, they do have great fans. A lot of these teams do, but I think it almost makes it seem like they have such great fans, even more so just because of their barns. And it just brings a sick atmosphere. But then there's uh, there's places like I'll be honest, like Macon in Georgia, like that place. Oh my god. That place is horrific. It's like, it's really old and not even really old probably, but I'm assuming it was probably not made to be a hockey rink. It looks like an arena football rink or something like that. It's it's, <laughs> it's brutal. When I when I played there this past year especially, they weren't very good and they had not a lot of fans. So just be like absolute no atmosphere in there. They weren't very good. And then the only problem with the SB sometimes is like I don't know what the deal is with scheduling last year we we played 
Roanoke 17 times out of a 56-game schedule, and we played Macon 14 times. So I didn't love that rink to begin with, but I definitely got a distaste in my mouth after playing at it so many times last year. And then, honestly, yeah, they're all pretty good, but Macon's not the greatest. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two I'm forgetting in there, but no, the SPHL is actually, uh, they got pretty good facilities across the board, it seems like, for the most part. Well, and I was going to say, though, and then you go to Quad Cities for the playoffs, and you're getting chirped in the crowd with signs. I'll tell you. The project yeah. was getting knocked. Yeah, that was awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I I don't know if that was one of your buddies. But yeah, I was, that, yeah. I was playing Quad City. I'm glad you said Quad City. Honorable mention for one of the nicest barns. That barn is sick, too. A long time ECHL arena and other pro leagues. But it was... Um, I was playing down there, and we played there in the playoffs, and it was game one, and I'm warming up, and yeah, some guy's in the stands, and he had a camera on his neck, but he didn't have, like, a poster, but he had a little sign, and it was, like, you know, that, like, the greater than symbol? It was, like, fourth-line voice greater than the project, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, especially when you have a show that not many people probably listen to, just seeing that anywhere, especially when you're in a town you've never been in. It's pretty funny. I got a good laugh at that. Yeah. No, my boy Jay, he's been on the show a couple times, and he was telling me, he texted me, he's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, they're, uh, the playoffs, yeah, he goes, uh, Harper and fucking Fayetteville, who were playing in the first round, he goes, I'm going to make a sign up and stick it, because I think he sits right along the boards, and he's like, yeah, he'll see it for sure, and I'll take a picture of his reaction, you know, and I was like, okay, and then, yeah, he sent them to me that night, he's like, and then he had the picture of you looking at it, like, what the fuck, <laughs> laughing, and then... Yeah, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, and then you text me after the game. You're like, "What the fuck was that?" You know. Like. <laughs> well, I, I was I I didn't uh, what I should have done, and I, I it was in warm ups when I noticed. I should have I should have went and bad on the glasses. I wanted someone to get a picture of me and him, like just because I, I I think I, I I don't remember if I went up to the glass and like gave a thumbs up pick and we took one together, but I definitely wanted one so. Uh, you got to reach out to your buddy and tell him thanks for that because I, I got a good laugh out of that. Yeah, he'll be listening. He'll, he'll dig it. Yeah, he'll dig it. Um, was there any uh, – I mean, I guess it's – it's well, at that time, I guess it's 2021, 22. So, I mean, I don't think anybody's charging into the crowd anymore swinging sticks. But did you guys have any battles with some uh, 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 some crowds at all? Go, there, was there any slap shot incidents? No, but, like, I, I found uh, – yeah, like, especially playing at that level where I didn't think, like, you're not, I didn't think you'd get in as much trouble being rude back to the fans. So, like, yeah, we, like, a lot of the places, the guys would, like, chirp you and stuff like that. And, like, I remember Knoxville was one that was always fucking hilarious to play at because Knoxville, like, not the most beautiful barn, but really, really old. Like, it's so old school and it's so sick. But for some reason, the period, not for the start of the game, you got to come out with their Zamboni gate, and you got to like walk around, and they have like uh, this like uh, section that's like it's like built right up along the glass, and there's this one part that's like tables and chairs to sit and stuff. And anyways, we like have to walk like right through it to get to get to uh, to and from the ice, and like I just remember like. This, these guys must have had season tickets because I'd always see them and they'd always be there and they would just make me laugh because like they're you know like I love like I love like hecklers you know what I mean like I love that and like I, I I'm like I'm down to like chirp back and stuff and I think that's hilarious 
But what I always, like, if you can tell when a guy is, like, like, yeah, he's heckling, but, like, he's not joking. Like, just the, you know what I mean? Like, you look yeah. at a guy and you're, like, yeah. this guy's vindictive. Like, he's not doing it to, like, have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, intent behind what he's saying. Like, he thinks he's, like, saying shit that's going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. And, like, when you identify something like that, like, that would piss someone off. Like, that made me, like, almost extremely happy. Because I was like, this is fucking hilarious. And so, yeah, like, nothing crazy. Like, you're not fucking walking off, swinging your stick at the guy, like, like you wish you could in some stances. But or you, I'm sure, and they obviously did back in the day. But, like, I don't know. Like, I remember one time I was yelling at this guy. Like, I've always gotten in this debate with people, and I never thought this way as a kid. And, like, this is, I guess, a quick subtangent before I go on to what I said. But, like, I always had buddies that would be like, is it weird if, like, say you're, like, someone, like, a parent's age and, like, you're wearing, like, an NHL... Like, so say if you, Darren, are wearing Connor McDavid's jersey, like, is that weird? Because you're wearing a, a twenty, a 24-year-old jersey and you're however age, X, X age you are. Yeah. Is that weird that you're wearing, like, someone's... Like, so that'd be, like, is it... When I'm an adult, is it going to be weird if I wear, like, my son's favorite player's jersey? Like, some people would laugh at that and say that that's absolutely ridiculous and stuff like that, but, like, I kind of agree with that to an extent. Like, I'm not going to go, I'm 28, but I'm not going to go buy like a Connor Bedard jersey if he gets drafted first round of the Leafs or something like that. You know what I mean? But people are like that. And anyway, so this guy was like always, I noticed like as we played him, he'd be like decked out in like different guys like jerseys because all these SP teams live for jersey auctions. They wear 47 different jerseys a year and sell them off spongebob night and all the nine yards you anything you can think of they made a jersey oh, yes. and sold it. <laughs> well, that's, one, that's one thing i've always liked about the miners right it's always about the hustle down there oh, i hate when nhl teams do that shit oh i hate when nhl teams go carny that bugs the shit out of me but i love it when minor yeah. league teams go carny because they need to and i love no, it no i think they need to. It's like the beauty of it. That's why, like, we get so rattled when we, people that love, I guess we'll say hockey purist, if that sounds like a douche term, but that's why people, like, get so rattled when they see the fucking storm surge and shit like that going on in the NHL. But anyways, yeah, so they, they sell a million of these jerseys, and this guy, he had multiple of them, and, like, I, I didn't, I thought it was pretty funny. And he, and so he's yelling at us, and it was always, like, something brutal like go home like you're poor like take your 200 bucks a week and shove it up your ass and fuck off and shit and then like he said something about that about the 200 bucks a week once and i i remember i was like i think i was like buddy you're like 57 years old wearing a 26 year old's jersey who makes 200 dollars a week and you're fucking screaming at his opponent who makes the same amount of money right now and like i remember he just kind of shut up and it was pretty funny and then like a couple guys were like, literally like, okay, like our bus is right around back, like right there. We're gonna go shower, like fucking see you back there. And like, of course, like nothing actually ever happened. And not like even if they fucking went around, I'm sure the boys wouldn't have done anything anyways. But no, that was a long, that was a long way to tell a bad story. But no, yeah, people would get into it. And like I remember Rowan Oak was always fun in Virginia, just like. But it's that's like it's always fun, like especially in. In my in the minor leagues too, because like fans like when they chirp like they're fucking they're kind of trying to be hurtful. Like <laughs> I used to be the bat boy for a single A independent league baseball team pro team in Calgary, 
And I used to sit right at the top of the steps and like the guys would be in the on deck circle. And like, that was minor baseball, same thing, basically probably very similar to the level I was playing in the SPHL, the level that I was the bat boy at. But the shit that these fans would be saying to these guys about like how they're poor and like, they don't meet they're they're fucking brutal. And it's just like this shit that, and there was no different. It made me laugh. Like, I was like, I seen it as a bat boy and I was like, fuck 20 years later, not much has changed. The fans are still wild as ever, but like that's, that's just comedy to me. I love that. I love that. Yeah. The fans still get right into it. And that's one thing about the SPHL. Like, and I say this with like, I mean, this in a good way. Like in some ways, like they're not traditional hockey markets. So a lot of them are like new fans. So like, I don't know, like sometimes people have that, like, uh, like they have that fire in their eye when they're talking to you. They're like, okay, like you still think you'll make the big leagues and you're kind of like laughing and being like, no, like, no, I don't. But like, it's just funny that like they even have the passion in their eyes that like they view the hockey at like that high of a level, which is great. And I'm not, again, I'm not fucking chirping the league or anything like that, but I'm just saying like they get, they're not in traditional hockey markets and these people are just so happy to have teams and the fans are great and, a lot of people would love taking me out for beers. I had people taking me out to shoot guns in Fayetteville and stuff. Like, you can have a really good time down there. And that's just, like, the beauty of minor league hockey. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it was funny. Like, even when I had you on and, and I had mentioned it, and I, and I can't – what did we do? No, it was when I was on the project. I was going to say, somebody I just talked about yeah. you recently. It was when I was on the project, and I had put it on my Facebook page or whatever, and I had mentioned you, and I, I think I had a fight picture of you up there or something. Yeah, like, the response to it was – you know, was, I mean, we're not saying we were trending on Twitter or anything, but I mean, you know, there was a bunch of comments and it was a bunch of people from Fayetteville that were fans of the, yeah. of the marksman. And they were, Oh, I hope you come back. And Oh, it was, I know what it was. It was the picture when you were doing the auction, you were the auctioneer and yeah, underneath, yeah. I was just reading the comments and there was people that were like, Oh, you were great. And you know, whatever Judy says, hi. And Oh, I hope you come back Harris. And like, you had all these people. And I was just thinking like, that's so cool. Right. Like just that, because I think it's a much more personal level too. I mean, you know, I mean with the NHL and stuff, you're not getting close to these guys and stuff like that. Whereas down there, like you said, the booster clubs are making food for the other team and shit like that. Like, and their people are buying jerseys left and right. There's that connection that you have with the fans. Oh, and, and I took full advantage of that. I, I thought it was like a lot of guys, some guys like to, uh, you know, kind of keep a low profile and, you know, keep it low key. But like, I kind of, I really tried to jump into like the community of being a Fayetteville marksman because it wasn't, sometimes I'll be honest, it got annoying. But after every home game, we would usually do a 45 minute like skate with the fans. And, you know, a lot of guys didn't love it. And it would drive a lot of guys crazy. But, I never minded doing it because there was a surprising a lot of kids that would show up and I just remembered being their age and I was like how much I would appreciate like a guy like spending some time after a game or just how cool I would think it was to be able to go on the ice and rip around with players. So I always had no problem going out there for 45 minutes and ripping around with the kids and then, you know, that and just in doing that, like I found like, you know, there's people that are then like asking me to go out for dinner after and all of a sudden we had these events where it would be like after a game, um, all the players are going to Bubba's in, in the lounge. It's like a marksman party. And we would do stuff like that. It would be so much fun. Like, I'm not saying there was thousands of people there, but like there was people that were there and like took an interest in that. You guys were a hockey team representing the local town. And, and they take pride in their sports. You know, like, you know, 
Americans, they take pride in their sports culturally to a totally different level than Canadians, I think, and oh, something yeah. that I kind of look up to because these people are from Fayetteville. This is their hockey team in their town, and they're proud of them, and they made us feel that way, and it's great, especially as, like, you know, there's a lot of – well, basically any community you're playing in in the Southern League or any minor hockey market probably don't have any local guys on your team. So for them to be the way they are and so welcoming to just a bunch of outsiders coming in and representing their town, and they really take care of them. And I, I think it's awesome. And I mean, that's another thing, too. Like, you know, you're not making you're not making a million dollars, but you have this schedule and you have a kind of a network when you right when you get down there, like, if you really want to, like, some guys are a little, not lazy, but a lot of guys, when they get in season mode, especially during the year, like, <clears throat> they're not going to want to go to practice and, you know, go get a little part-time gig at the end of the day. But, like, you could do that in the SP, especially. And, you know, even if it was just a couple hours, like, you could do that, make a little extra money, prolong your minor league career if you wanted to. But, yeah, great community and, like, it is like it's not even it is carny in a way, but like you said, at that level you need it, and that's what makes it awesome. Absolutely. Well, just to go back on the jersey thing for a sec, like you said, there's however many uh, SpongeBob night and Star Wars night and Kiss night and whatever Valentine's Day and all that shit, and they got jerseys for all of them, and they auction them off after and whatever. What did the players think of that? Were they just like whatever, like, or did they kind of, did they kind of get into it too, or were they just like, this is so stupid? Uh, I mean, to a point, like, so I think, like, I mean, especially in the Southern League, I mean, you kind of got to get into it. I think they do a lot of that in the East Coast too. I don't know if they do more of it in the Southern League, but I was like astounded. Like, I can't like. I want to say we played 56 games this year, and I think we wore, like, something like 14 different jerseys. <laughs> and it was crazy. Like, on Sundays, because Fayetteville was a big army town with Fort Bragg, like, just on the outskirts, um, we had a salute to service day. We had these awesome, like, USA jerseys that we'd wear every Sunday. And then, um, but, I mean, like, yeah, some of them were a joke. <laughs> like, sometimes guys get a little rattled, like, this year, this was kind of funny, and like this was the one of the one of the funniest I've been a part of. We had a two games, like two games that were part of this night. It was the Rocky versus Rambo night, so we were playing Macon at home and home, and we we Fayetteville was Rocky and Macon was Rambo, and our jerseys were fucking hilarious. Like I'll have to send you, I'll have to send you. So. What they by accident did, I don't know who, who's the guys up in the office ordering them or whoever decided that these were our jerseys. I'm assuming it's someone from Fanful. And I'm assuming who made that decision might hear this show. So if you're listening, I'm just laughing at you. I'm not laughing, like, not making fun of you. I'm just laughing at the scenario that happened. But they had, like, the, they had, so we looked like, we, I forget what movie it is. It's the first one when he has, like, the gold robe, right, in Rocky. Yeah. Yep. When he's Italian stallion. So we had the gold robe. And it looked like we had that on as our top. But then they bought us pant covers, and they were like the Apollo Creed, like USA one. So that was a different movie when he wore those. But so they mixed those two movies up, it seemed like. So we looked hilarious. We had the gold robe with like the Captain American shorts. And then our socks looked like boxing shoes that were tied up about halfway up our calf. And then it was a hairy leg. But the, the pant shells were way too small. And like I don't got the longest, I don't have the longest stride to begin with. I can't be losing any inches on that stride. 
but then you put these pant covers on and it just felt like, oh, I could barely get my wingspan going. It was hilarious. So yeah, like when it gets into shit like that, like, yes, sometimes the jerseys get annoying because you'd order so many of them. Like sometimes they might come in like really big or a lot of the times they'd come in really small and it would just be nothing worse than playing with a small jersey, especially as somewhat of a bigger guy. I'd be fucking pissed. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was always all fun. And the auctions were fun. So, like, we'd always do these live auctions. And that's why, like, I, the people that worked for Fayetteville <coughs> were awesome. And I had a lot of fun with them. So, like, one time I just, like, ripped the microphone out of the girl's hand, the guy's hand that usually did our auctions, like, kind of rudely. I just, like, literally grabbed out of his hand. And then I just started doing the auction myself for my own jersey a couple times, and they liked it. And then I, they let me do it once or twice for the thing, and it was it was, it was was pretty fun. So, they did stuff like that. That was awesome. And they actually really liked the project. And um, they, like, one time I remember someone sent me a picture of, like, they would do hilarious shit for me. Like, it was in between periods. And, like, someone said, like, they would show, it would be, like, make sure you listen to the project. And it would be, like, number three, Harrison Harper's own podcast. Like, they would do shit like that and put it up on the Jumbotron. Like, it was pretty funny. That's tremendous. Well, I always say with those jersey auctions, I can't believe some of the prices those jerseys go for. I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Disgusting. Oh. Blows my mind. I'd be like, you, I just, I just can't believe the amount of money. Like, like I remember we had a goalie on our team. He had a jersey go for like 1400 American. And then like, I had a jersey or two go for like 800. And I'm like, could you imagine? It was crazy. But I mean, they are cool. They are one of a kind. And I mean, if it, uh, if it's, you know, it has value to someone. Like I always, that's one thing that sucked is like I always wanted to, uh, you know, I, I couldn't ask the team to just give me one. You know what I mean? So I would always be like, okay, well, maybe this will be the day that I may try to buy my own. And I'd always laugh. I'd be like, not a chance. Like I'm not outfitting someone for hundreds of dollars for my own jersey. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll reach out and maybe can find one. But, yeah. Did you did you crazy. get did, at the it. end of the year did you keep a jersey though? Like you had to have gotten your regular one. No, that, that was one thing I didn't like. I didn't like they gave us the opportunity to uh order a jersey. I didn't want to. I did, I should have now looking back at it. I wish I did. But they didn't give me a jersey. But in in Birmingham what they would do is at the end of the year they'd always give you like one year I played there, the one year I played there they gave me like the white. They let me take the white jersey home. And then um, the other year I got cut and didn't get one. But, no, I was hoping Fayetteville would do that. But, no, I didn't get to, I don't have a Fayetteville jersey of mine. And I have a jersey of everywhere else I've played almost after from junior on. But I don't have a marksman jersey. So maybe if anyone's ever listening to that, you can track me one down and, and pay for it. Oh, I can't believe that team didn't give you a one at the end of the year. That's brutal. Like, come on, Fayetteville. Yeah, I know exactly. someone at the office is listening. That's Bush. You guys got to do that for you. Yeah, I tell them to get off their wallets up there if they're listening. Off the wallets, boys. Exactly. Get off them. Exactly. No, yeah, I, I was I was really hoping to to get that. Yeah, that would that would have been fun. But uh, like, did they like, yeah, did they so sell no. them? Did they sell them, or are they just going to reuse them? Oh, they would have sold them. Like it was crazy. Like that was one thing that always made me scream laugh about the SP two. Is like if you think you're well, I'm certainly on the teams I'd played in the SP. He's like, do you think you're going to get uh, your fucking gear to go home in the summer and play? No. Like, <laughs> I'm not joking. They took it. They took everything back. Almost, I thought they were going to ask me for my jock strap. Like, I, I didn't get to keep my 
helmet, my gloves, my bag, my pants. I had to give back my my Under Armour, like the fucking Under Armour long sleeve tight shirt that I wore for fifty seven games. I in every practice of the entire season, I had to give it back to them at the end of the year. Wow. <laughs> well, there we go. We're on a boat. Uh, the word. I think they sold it. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, who the fuck would buy that? <laughs> but I, I did see, like, they had a raffle that you could, like, uh, they had a raffle that was, like, they won all of, uh, it was, like, win Harrison's gear bag, and you can do that. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it went to someone that, I mean, at least thinks it's cool. But to be honest, I wouldn't have minded a fucking pair of gloves in a bucket to rip around with now that I'm a beer leaguer. I can't be going out and buying gloves. Shit's expensive, you know I mean? man. No, yeah. but... Just, oh, shit's crazy, and, like, I mean, that's one thing, too. Which, like, now thinking about having to buy sticks and pay for skate sharpings and stuff makes your head spin because hockey's, I mean, it's always been an expensive sport for the last 20 years, but even it's getting worse and worse. It's getting worse. But that's why, like, you know, it sounds bad. It sounds bad, you know, when you see, like, you don't get your jersey at the end of the year and your gloves and stick. But, honestly, the expenses of all this shit and, I mean, I'm sure they're just trying to, you know, make as much money as possible. So I understand that's all part of the hustle. The way yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I was kind of the soft spot for the jersey thing. I always think guys, because I, I just look now as an older looking back and I talk to the young guys all the time or whatever. It's like, get your jersey. You might not give a shit now, yeah. but trust me, when you're old, you'll you'll wish you had taken it. Trust me, you know, I always say that to them. It's amazing the number of guys that I've had on the show that I talk to that have nothing from their career. They have no jerseys, they got nothing. And it's just like, and or pictures, the most, some of these guys don't even have pictures. Cause we're talking like 90s and shit. Like now everybody take pictures and it's on yeah, Flickr yeah. and Twitter and all over the place. But in the 90s and shit, right? So you got guys that played in the East Coast League or IHL back in the day and like, they have no pictures. There's no hockey cards of them. There's, they have no jerseys. It's like, other than being on hockey DB, it's like they don't exist. Like no one has a record of them playing. Like there's no visual confirmation of them playing anywhere, and it's like and it sucks. I feel bad for them. Yeah, no doubt. Especially well, especially now that we're looking around at the way things are with everyone having a million pictures of everything. You know, it's yeah. nice to have some things like you remember by. But yeah, the jerseys definitely a soft spot. So. I'll probably, the thing is though, like, I know I, I wanted to order one too, but there's also like, there's a magic about like wearing one that you play the game in, you know? Well, yeah, 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 exactly. Or, no, you gotta have the having game. One that was, yeah, you gotta have the game. So yeah, one. I didn't really care to order one. Like that wasn't really what I wanted to do, but they have, Fayetteville had really nice jerseys too. Really nice. Maybe not the nicest that showed up on camera. They were really dark, but they had real good uniforms. Honestly, the SPHL as a whole, they have great team names. Great logos and great jerseys, honestly. Yeah, like really good. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, great, great. They're doing a great job on that front. Well, I got a number of, I got a few guys I know that listen to this show and that we talk that I I talk to on Twitter all the time. They're Jersey guys. And they're into that game worn shit, and they have all that stuff. Like that guy in Quad City, Jay. There, oh yeah, he's got tons of game. I'll, I'm gonna put them on the on the case, and we're gonna track down a Harrison Harper game worn jersey, and we'll we'll there'll be one. We'll get you one. Please. Well, a Fayetteville one because I, I at yeah. least I do have a I have a white Birmingham one, but I wouldn't mind a Fayetteville one. I don't even care if it's 
some crazy promotional night. But that, yeah, that would be cool. I figured what maybe it'd be better to do this now. Reach out instead of waiting ten years when it's in a garage sale and burnt or something. Absolutely. Oh yeah, get on it sooner rather than later. And now a message from our sponsors. The NFL action is in full swing here at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Lately, with work being as busy as it's been, I've spent a lot of time catching up on my podcast, my Jim Cornette, my Five for Fighting podcast. And it's been great. You know why? one of the reasons why it's been great? Because I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for that perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you an 8 hours of playtime as well as a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Noise isolation, awareness mode. You know, I, I wear them at work when I'm kind of getting in and out of the truck. Also, when I'm in the shop, they're perfect. So go to Raycon.com slash THPN today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 50% off. But, um, well, here, we're like an hour and 20 in, and we're yapping about the Southern Pro League, but I got to ask you, because I know there is some, uh, this wasn't fun. This wasn't a good time, and there was some issues here. And uh, we're going to talk about your East Coast League call-up. So you get signed on <laughs> December 15th. You get the call to Norfolk of the East Coast Hockey League. And I remember, I'm like, holy shit, he's going up to the East Coast League. And I made a big post on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I think I text you and all that. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And then you're done after one game. And it was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, what the fuck? What happened? So what what went on uh, there? And yeah, what 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 is going on? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was funny because like that that was the beauty of it. <laughs> I was fired up to get a call and then uh, take a call. And, yeah, it was one and done. I, I played one game, and uh, that's what makes me laugh now. Like, I always wanted to play in the coast. And now, looking back, I could look back and say I played one singular game in the ACHL. Makes me laugh. No, but so, yeah, it wasn't a great experience. And, like, I, I, I'm going to – I haven't even talked about this on my own show because I've had plans of, like, talking about this for a full episode. But I'll do my best uh, – to uh, reiterate the situation right now. And, like, it was, I mean, it's unique to me. I'm not bashing the league or anything like that, but it's just, you know, a unique scenario I found myself in uh, with the current day and age with the way things rolled out with COVID and everything like that. But, so, yeah, I always wanted to play in the coast. And then, so not, 
2021, the, the pandemic, the true COVID year, we'll call it, um, when there's only 13 coast teams, you know, like there was there was no chance I was going to be playing in the coast that year, personally, for myself. There's just no chance that was going to happen. And then so last year, I almost didn't even play, uh, wasn't even thinking about, like, trying to play in the coast. And then I get to Fayetteville, and honestly, like, I'm playing at the start of the year, and, like, one of my assistant coaches, uh, Jason Binkley, he spent a year with Fayetteville, and now he's actually the assistant coach with uh, Worcester, if I said that right, the Railers up in the coast now. But he uh, he was my assistant coach, and he was telling me, and he was like, hey, Harrison, like, I think, you know, you think you're a good player, and I think, you know, a couple things I can work on with you, and I don't think that there's a reason that, you know, you couldn't be pushing, you know, be a regular in the ECHL level. And it was weird, like, my whole life, like, I've always wanted to play at the highest level I can, like, I've always been looking ahead at like, well, okay, like after school, like I'm hoping to keep playing, like after junior, hoping to go to school, after school, hoping to go to pro. And like, you know, it was weird. Like he said this to me and like my instinct in my head was like, fuck, I don't even give a shit. He's like, I'd rather, in my head, my instinct when he's telling me this, I'm like, rather just fucking stay here on the same team all year and just like enjoy myself and like try and make a run at being a good team and maybe trying to like go for a championship or something like that. Like that was where my head was instantly. So then, for a couple months, it was maybe a month into the year or so, I'm um, in the cold tub and uh, kind of been, like, talking, obviously, like, very, like, you know, talking about the coast and some guys are getting call-ups and whatnot. And then, like, you know, the SPHL, like, coaches want guys to go up, you know, because, you know, they want to develop guys to get better and go play at higher levels. And... Especially, like, that's a lot of their selling pitch, like, to get guys to come places is, like, how many guys they put in the coast or how they can get you looks and whatnot. But they're trying to make fucking good teams in the league. So, like, there is – if you have an open relationship with your coach and you kind of – he knows where you're kind of at in your career. Like, I've been open with my coach, kind of, like, telling him, like, I'm not looking to, like, make the ECHL. He's like, I kind of was open with him. I was like, kind of looking at more, like, fucking hanging out here and – not hanging out, but like taking it seriously here and, you know, just being a marksman and taking that seriously. And then I get a, he calls, tells me I'm in the cold tub. He's like, he's like, Idaho asked if you wanted to go up for two nights for Friday, Saturday. And then that, that's literally what they would say. And I, I had a roommate who, um, he got called up like really early in the year and they said the same thing to him. And I forget which team it was, but they called them up and they were like, oh, you want to come and you want to play Friday night and Saturday night, you're going home Sunday. And <clears throat> my buddy had to travel. And he went up and he, and he played the Friday and the Saturday and he came right home. And then um, he got called up again and he went somewhere and um, it was the same kind of thing. They're like, yeah, we got guys on COVID. Um, come up, play two games and go back. He goes up. Someone ends up getting hurt when he was up there. He ends up hanging her out there for like almost a month, but comes back. But anyways, so they'd call you, and they would literally be like, "Hey, we need you for this weekend, and then we're sending you back on Monday." And I, I don't know, me like twenty seven, like I don't know, not saying I was like old or anything, but like in the hockey pro hockey world, like getting old, especially the guy like fucking only in his second third year of pro, and. I'm just kind of like, like, yeah, they pay you to go and shit like that. But, like, do I want to go fly across the country to play two games when, like, and I know you got to go up there and you got to prove yourself 
and if you don't go, you won't stay. And, you know, maybe you go up there and maybe a guy breaks his hand and then, you know, you're in the lineup. Or maybe you go up and unless you get a hat trick from the point or if you go there and someone gets hurt and you're in the lineup, like, they're, you're going home after those two games. Like, that's a fact. And, like, I, and I'm, I'm a very big optimist person. Like, trust me, like, I've been cut more than anyone. I've been very hopeful in hockey situations the whole life. But, like, this year I was just like, I don't care to fucking go through that. Like, I don't care. And there, there was even a weekend where I got a call up, and we had, for some reason, we had a weekend where I had no games. And we had a weekend off. It was so weird in the spill. We just had a week where we didn't have games. Weekend where we didn't have games. In Iowa, that new team last year called me. And they called me, and they're telling me, like, hey, we, we no, you don't have any games this weekend. Like, we just had a couple guys get hurt. Like, we desperately need bodies. We need you right now. Like, heard about you. I uh, heard you bring, like, uh, presents and stuff like that. And then I, like, my instinct as he's telling me this is, like, I was, like, fuck. Like, my instinct is, like, I don't want to go. Like, the second he's telling this, like, my gut instinct is, like, I don't fucking want to go. And, like, it sounds bad, but I was, like, we didn't have any. Like, I was, like, I'd rather just chill this weekend and fly up to fucking Iowa and go through all that right now. And maybe it wasn't the right thing to do or maybe it wasn't. Like I, I, so I was getting actually like I got quite a few calls. Like I must have got almost fifteen calls or something like that last year, and throughout the year. But I just my heart, my heart was telling me like I didn't give a fuck to go. But then like it was around that Iowa call up where I was like really debating it. And like so the coach calls me back and he goes basically says like we don't have a physical presence, and we don't have a physical presence. And like if you were able to come in and bring that. He's basically telling me if you come in and smash some fucking head, like we yeah. definitely, we definitely keep you around. And I'm like, in my head, I'm just like confident that I can do that. But like I, I mentioned this on my last episode too. Like once you go do five years of CIS after playing that way, and like you just can't fight, you don't fight. Like my ambitions to play that role full time were zero. And especially, I was like, I mean, like I'm, I don't know, I'm a big room guy. Like I was like, for me. It's just, fly up to Iowa right now and defend this room. Like these guys are my blood. Like, I don't even know these guys. I, I'm like, I, like for me at 27 to fly up there right now, be a punching bag. Like, I mean, this isn't the show to make this fucking claim to bitch about when you've had some absolute nail guns on. But I was just like, I didn't have an interest in really doing it. I was like, fuck that. And then, so a couple more calls are coming in, but it was around that Iowa call that I started thinking in my head. I was like, okay, well, you're going to want to take at least one. Like, yeah, yeah, you might not want to go and you might be comfortable here and like your situation, but if the year passes and you don't take any calls, you're going to fucking regret it. So I'm like, okay. So one night, it was December. I can't even remember. Yeah, it was December. December 15th. December. Yeah. So, yeah, it was December I um, get a text. It wasn't even a call. And it wasn't my coach calling me. It was uh, Anthony Collins, actually. He's been on Alex's show yeah. a bunch and shit. He, he's a beauty. And I played with him in Birmingham during that COVID year. And um, he texts me, sup, dude. And I'm like, he fucking, like, me and him, like, buddies, we played together. But, like, I don't text Collie ever. So he texts me, sup, dude. My heart almost sinks right away because, like, I know he's going to text me something. He's on Norfolk at the time, and I'm like, I know he's going to text me being like, we need guys, like, come on up. 
And that's why, like, it wasn't even as much that I didn't want the call-ups. It was, it was the way that they were coming. And I mean, anyone would say that this is, that is just the way it is in the coast. Like no one's calling from the coast being like, we want Harrison Harper from the marksman, that guy. We've heard a lot about his game down there. He's really playing well. We need him. No, like they need bodies and they call and they need a guy to get called up. And that's how you get up there. But like, I just didn't like the, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was the COVID factor, but like they were calling being like, yeah, two guys in the A, sick. We had to send two guys up. We need you to come for the weekend and go home. I was like, fuck that. So anyways, finally you get a call. Same thing's kind of going on. They're, they're short on bodies in Norfolk and Norfolk or North. Is it Norfolk or North thick? I always laugh. I don't Norfolk, even know what to say. Fork, Norfolk. I, I, I thought it was like Norfolk, folk. but now I swear that I saw somewhere that it's called North thick. So I'm going to just say Norfolk for the duration of me talking about it from here on out. But um, So I knew Anthony Collins. There was another guy, Mackenzie Dwyer, who I also played with in Birmingham. And then there was a guy, Marley Quince, who was up there as well that I had played with earlier in Fayetteville. And he got called up and stuck. And he was, you know, he's a good player. He'd played in the coast before. So I knew three, four guys and, that were on that team. And I was like, okay, like, you're going to regret not taking any calls. And actually, the year that COVID fucked everything up, I was originally going to go to Norfolk and try out and, and uh, try and make the team. They wouldn't sign me, but I had a, you know, I had a lot of talks with their coaching staff throughout that whole summer. And, you know, he spent a lot of time talking to me, so I assumed they were quite interested. And so it was the same staff. So then I was kind of unsure, but then – he called me and the guy actually remembered exactly who I was. So I was like, okay, like that made me feel pretty good about the scenario. So I was like, okay, like fucking right. It's like, I'll come in and it'll be all good. And it just worked out that when they called me, it was like a shit show. Like they asked me if I'd go. And like, that was one thing like that, like would always suck about getting a call up. Cause like the second you hear about it, your heart almost drops because you know, it's going to be like, if you say yes to the call and you're in the cold tub, you better grab a fucking towel and get showered up and sprint out of the rink because you probably got to be somewhere fast. So he texts me and then sure enough, they got a game the next day. I agree to go and take the call up. The coach calls me, like I said, makes me feel good about it. I had a couple of buddies that were there. So I'm like, fucking right. Let's go. First post game. Like, maybe I like it. Maybe I can find a way to stick. Like he, the coach called me. He's basically saying like, they're having a lot of trouble with finding, you know, reliable D-men. And he's like, if you can come in and play good. And then the guy that was there, like, they love fucking scrappers. That whole division in the South is pretty nailed. So I think they are, like, always trying to be tough, too, because you kind of got to be – kind of got to have a nailed squad in the coast to be good. And they wanted that, like, big time. And, and that was kind of how my agent had sold myself. Like, you know, I knew I was a school guy and stuff, but, like, you know, I – not that I fought 40 times in the season, but I was down to fight and in the Western League and fought a bit. And, you know, he was saying, like, especially with the new, like, 10 fight rules, he's like, you know, this guy could maybe give you that. And so that was how I started that relationship with him. So then, like, immediately he calls me back. And when I get there, you know, I can tell. Just, like, the second I get there, like, I can just tell the way he's talking to me. He's basically saying, like, grab someone. <laughs> and anyway, so... But I get... So I get called up and... I agree to go, and then it's the next day I have to leave. And in Birmingham, we were about to leave on a road trip that day, 
so I think yeah, we were traveling or something like that. And so I snuck, I had to go to the rink early. I grabbed my gear and then like what it's like in the spill, like, because this happens all the time, like you have to give everything back, like all your fucking gear, all this shit. Like you act like you're about to move out because they don't know if you're going to come back. Cause a lot of guys don't like I've had roommates in the spill that have left. And they got shit in the closet in their truck in the parking lot out front for the entire season because they got called up a week into the spill year across the country and they could never get their shit. So they do treat it like you're gone forever. So I take the call up and in my head, like, you know, it was Christmas time and the coast had a Christmas break this year. They had a week off and a lot of guys got to go home. And I knew the Christmas break was only like three or four games away. So I was like, I imagine you'll see me before too long, like, even if I do end up cracking it full time somehow, sure I'll be back during this Christmas break. But so I agree to go up. The game's that night, so I have my trusty Dakota in Fayetteville, and I gas it up, and I drive up to uh, Norfolk the day of the game, and um, I don't know why, but I can't remember if it was like. I got away late in the day because that was the way it worked out with the call or whatever, but I. I literally rolled into Norfolk with time to go. I went straight to Subway. I checked into my hotel, put my suit on, and I called my... So they, they play at the Spectrum, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it's called. And it's a fucking beautiful bar. It's a straight scope, down. isn't it? Like, Isn't it called Norfolk? The, scope? the Scope? The Scope. Sorry, that's what it is. Not the Spectrum. The Scope. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Um, but, like, Norfolk's a beautiful city, like, right in the water, harbor town, uh, a lot of military and stuff. It's right by Virginia Beach, like beautiful spot. And this this rink, the scope is like right not far off the the water, and just like right in the downtown little area. It's sick, but it's got like an underground parkade, and it's kind of hard to get into. So my buddy gets me in there. I get it. I walk in. You know, you got to do the whole fucking hey, how are you? You got to meet all the boys. But like the coast is weird, right? And like. I'm sure it was even weirder this year because, you know, there's all like some teams go through 70, 80 guys in a year on a normal year. Maybe even last year it was even worse. I'm sure. Maybe the numbers show, maybe it wasn't, but anyways, they see a lot of guys. So like, I know this. So like, I'm not, and like, I'm kind of like, I know I, I read the room. Well. I'm not selling myself short, but I'm not some fucking hot ticket stud who just got called up. I'm not about to walk around and shake every single guy's hand in the room. You know what I mean? And introduce myself. Because I don't know if I'll be around long enough for them to remember. And then, so I get in there, and, like, it's just funny. Like, these guys see so many bodies in a year, like, that they might not even notice that there's a new guy there. It's like walking down the train at the Metro New York City. Like, you just, it's just, like, random people walking by you, but they might be on your team that night. Like, that's basically what it seemed like the coast was like. Like, these guys have no idea who's who, to, to a degree, it seemed like. And anyway, so I'm in there, like, I'm not saying much. And fucking, I sat, luckily, right next to the guy I played with earlier in Fayetteville. So I just kind of, you know, sat there and did my thing. And we get called up there. So it's getting to the rink there. It's around, we had a 7 o'clock game. It was like, I showed up like 4.30. I had to sign a couple of medical forms and stuff, really. But usually, you know, you get there two hours, two and a half, early, two and a half hours early for a game. Anyways, we roll in there. It's 5 o'clock. We have a team meeting. And um, it was like the co- it was only a head coach and an assistant coach, and we we have a team meeting at five o'clock. We start doing video, so we get all the lights turned off, or it's kind of dim there. Turn a couple of lights down so we can see it. And like this always happens. I find like they don't. There's no video coach, right? So it's just the two of them. 
And, like, by the time that we, like, get all of our video done that, like, was not efficiently done at all, uh, well at all, can't get the computer to work, it won't load, um, fucking plugging it in and unplugging it. It's it's 5.48. It's 5.48 when we stop doing video. We have a 7 o'clock game. We did video for 48 minutes straight just sitting there. And then, like, I don't know about anyone, but, like, you can't retain any video session that's longer than six minutes long. I don't care if you're like the most dialed in athlete ever, especially watching hockey video to me was always so dry, so dry. Like you have to be really good at video for players to even get anything out of it. And what I mean like good at it, like you have to make people get something out of it. You can't just go up and fucking run, run plays and like just run uh, parts of a game, watch the first period and be like, okay, we're good to go. Like, but that's, kind of just felt like so i'm sitting there like i've been in the truck all day i haven't even done like a leg swing and then i get in there by the time i do all these medical forms we freaking do 48 minutes of video in the dark and then it's like time to go warm up and like we're warming up and I'm fucking yeah whatever we're going we're playing wheeling that night and then i gotta wear like i've never skated with the boys yet and um so then we gotta throw on all the new gear like i've asked for I asked for 15, that's what I usually wear, but I was wearing, like, a different glove in the SP than the one I got in the coast. It was a four-roll, so the 15 felt like fucking Sasquatch gloves. These things were fucking huge. I felt like I was playing in the 90s with a big pair of leather bowers. And these things are huge. I got a new helmet, you know, new pants and stuff. I didn't need a twig because I was using the same twig that they were using. And naturally, in the East Coast, they're not going to give you a new one if they don't have to, right? So I didn't get a new twig. And then um, we're in there. And the best part was I broke a twig, too, in the coast. And they didn't even give me a new one in my new one game. So I basically went up to the coast and just went went down a twig. And, um, yeah, so I get up there. We're playing wheeling. Like, Norfolk wasn't that great last year. And just so happened the way the game went. Like, we didn't play very well. Uh, We lost, like, 7-2. And, like, in between periods, man, like, the coast is a very – very odd dynamic I find because like these guys, like there's guys in the East coast league that are like on NHL contracts. And then there's a guy like myself who just got called up from the fucking SP and was eating subway an hour ago, driving his Dakota here for the game. But then this guy's like signed with Carolina and was playing in the a a week ago. And I was like, so it's just a hilarious dynamic. Like how the top to the bottom, like what, like the different like personalities and life situations that these guys are going to, like some guys are like in the coast have like a deal with Bauer as a goalie and like fucking get a bunch of money and they're having an NHL deal and like they're not millionaires, but they're making good money. And then there's guys in the coast that make 500 bucks a week. So it's like very odd. And it's almost like guys that are on NHL deals. And I mean, I don't have a, breadth of close knowledge to fucking speak on this and this is just what i've seen from my own experiences and just like i mean i have a lot of buddies that play in the coast and talk to a lot of guys that have been around the coast and shit like that it just almost like it just seems like there's like this not like a hierarchy but it's just like hilarious like when i was there they're not playing good and in between periods like you know there's a little bit of frustration in the room and it was just like a couple of young guys that were like on nhl deals just start fucking losing it. And like, I think it was a goalie. I can't really remember. Just fucking losing it. Like being like, do you guys want to be pro hockey players? You can't play on shitty teams. Or you will not have a long career. 
You see the guys that are paving their long careers? They don't play on shitty... It was just, like, crazy. They're going on, just, like, ripping guys. Like, one guy was, like, half a second late for warm-up, and everyone's yelling about that in between the fucking intermissions and shit. Like, I literally swear, it felt like guys on contract screaming at non-contract guys. And in my head, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And, like, we're getting smoked. And then, like, I get out there, and I laugh. Like, there was this situation, like, like, there was a fucking, uh, the second period guy, uh, going covers the puck, and, like, a guy, like, briefly, like, fucking skated behind. Like, didn't even do anything. And, like, yeah, I should have been in there fucking causing more of a ruckus. But, like, I honestly didn't think anything happened. And he fucking, like, pulled me aside. He's like, you should have fucking went at that guy there. And I was like, where? He's like, after that whistle, goalie covered the puck. I'm like, in our own end? He's like, yeah. He's just, like, making me laugh. Like, didn't tell me anything about how I was playing. But, like, then he tells me, like, right then he's like, grab me. Like, you should have went at that guy. It was just, like, fucking hilarious. Like, I had no clue what was going on. It was just crazy. Anyway, we fucking lose the game. We don't play very well. Um, we go out for... Um, I try to go out and grab some food with my buddy I play with in Birmingham. And we end up going to this place. And, of course, the entire fucking wheeling team is there. And they're just getting wasted. Like, getting fucking pickled. And there was a, they played wheeling, but then there was this was a Thursday. Then they didn't play Friday, and they played them two more times that weekend. So this is, we played the Thursday night game. We get fucking blasted. Then we go out for dinner after we see, like, wheeling's really out there, like, they're I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure, like, I've always heard, like, on the road and the coast, like, still to this day, like, you just go out and get loaded every night. And Wheeling's literally there just getting loaded with their fucking coaches. Like, their coaches are just right with them at the bar, like, just smashing them like they are. I had beers with my buddy. I remember, like, going back to the hotel to go to bed, and, like, the whole Wheeling team's, like, for some reason they put me up in a hotel that Wheeling happened to be at. And these guys, it was, like, pretty late. Like, not late, but, like, it was sometime and they were all just in the lobby in like this side room, just like keeping the night going. And I was kind of like, that's pretty sick. If that's what the coast is like on the road. <laughs> but anyway, so we had practice the next day. So I get back and we're like, okay, I better get fucking get a little sleep in here. And then we'll, we'll go to uh, practice tomorrow. So I go to practice tomorrow. There was a couple guys that were hurt and stuff. Right. And uh, a couple guys that weren't playing and I don't, and uh, so I never met them. Like they weren't down in the room. Right. So then there's a couple more guys, like you're in the process of meeting and stuff like that. Saying like, hi, how are you? Like, I'm Harry. Like, nice to meet you. Where you're from Calgary. Oh yeah. All that shit, you know? And then sure enough, should have waited another three or four minutes, but <clears throat> I get the bottom half of my Under Armour on. And like, I just put my Under Armour on, put my socks on. I still have my hoodie on, like my street clothes and my hat. And I hear the fucking, Hey, uh, harps, Harper. Uh, yeah, coach wants to see in his office. And I'm laughing in my head. I just kind of like, even just gave one of these, like, ah. Oh. I was like, already? Like, I just knew in my head. I'm like, they're fucking gassing me. Like, there's no chance they're calling me in there to look at X's and O on the video screen, do face-off details. So I laugh. And I don't have slide flip-flops. I only have the thongs. So I'm sitting there half-dressed. I just throw my feet through my socks and my little thong flip-flops. And I got in a beer case that I use in shower flops. I walk down the scope. They have to go down the path of Zamboni, all the way down the hall to go to the coach's office. And you got to walk through like the business office to get there. So I'm walking through there with the snap of my flip flops. Snap, 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 snap. <laughs> I go in there and I sit down. And I fuck in. It's the two coaches and they're in their office there. And, 
And uh, this is literally like I fucking scream laugh because like if I was a screenwriter, like I would like you know like in Superbad when they like interview and there's tuxedos and it's like fucking hilarious scene for like an interview. Like if if this was like Shorzy or fucking Leonard Kenny, like this is how like the screenwriter should have wrote this fucking all like this interaction going down, like is me getting cut from the Norfolk Admirals. It was fucking hilarious. So. I walk in the office, I sit down on this couch, and the coach is in there, and the assistant coach is in there. And they got, like, this real weird fucking vibe. Like, you don't know who's in charge. Like, is the associate coach, assistant coach, like, he telling us what to do? Does he come up with the systems? And is the coach just, like, the fucking director of morale? Or, or what's going on here? Like, I heard rumors that, like, the coach was into it with the owner because the owner and him used to play together in Norfolk in, like, the 90s. And then I heard, like, the assistant coach was, like, never steps in if he doesn't agree with what the coach is doing because he almost wants the coach to get fired so that he can step in and take his job. I heard rumblings of this dynamic. And to be honest, it was starting to become evident through the video session I had to endure the night before. But anyways, to cut to the chase, I go in there, I sit down. I'm sitting on this little couch, and he just go. This is what this is why I had to bring this up because it's weird. We're in this office. The assistant coach, associate coach, is behind. It's behind the desk. I don't know if we were. Maybe it was his office, but he's behind his computer at the desk. And the head coach is on the couch to my left, and I'm sitting in like the typical like chair that would be in front of a desk or an office. You know what I mean? For the for a guest, and I'm sitting there, and he just goes so. So how'd you how'd you think you did out there last night? I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I played my best. Uh, I don't think I played my worst. But uh, you know, getting my feet way away, I guess it's you know looking to improve from there. And he just goes, yeah, I don't think you're very good either. And then he goes, and he, he goes, and I get it. You got called up last minute last night, and then you got to get in the truck this morning. You got to drive up here the day of the game. Get checked into the hotel. You got to, you never got to skate with us. You know, you got to put on the new gear and, you know, meet all the new guys, new systems, new league, new experience. I get that new city. It's all, it's all a lot. It's a lot to take in. And I get that that's very hard, but all those things considered, I still don't think you were very fucking good. <laughs> like, then word for word, he says this. And then, and then I fucking just, I think I just laughed. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he basically just, uh, and then he brings up, he goes, and then there's that play there, you know, so-and-so covers the puck in her own end and you don't even go and grab that guy. And I'm just like, kind of again, like laughing. I'm like, I don't even almost know what fucking play you're talking about, but yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then he, he gives me two seconds. Like, you work on your pivoting, maybe a little bit of skating. And you know, other than that, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just not going to work out. And I fucking just have to go back out. Then I have to walk back into the room, fucking peel off the half of your underarm you got on your body. And then, they had like uh, in Norfolk. They were they had Violent Gentlemen Hockey Club, like the apparel company. That was who did their gitch, like their hoodies and their and their shorts and all this stuff. And like the, the coast is cheap as fuck too. And I mean, maybe this was just Norfolk, but so I knew they weren't gonna let me keep this shit. So like I in my bag, like I'm packing up my bag, my bag I got from university because apparently no one else in the fucking world would let me take a bag home, and. I'm, pu- I'm piling my shit in the bag, and then I so I grab all my violent gentleman Norfolk apparel, and I just ram it into the bottom of the bag as fast as I can. I'm like, this stuff's sick. Like, I got to get out of here with this at least. And like, I just about to put the bag over my shoulder. I 
walk out. I got my sticks and I say bye to a couple guys and I feel like I'm in the fucking clear and I'm like, oh baby, hell yeah. I'm like, this day sucks. This trip, this last 40 hours has been hell. But at least I got some gitch. I'm like, you know, that Ikea commercial, start the car. I'm like fucking flying. And then the shirt off the train or like, I'm just about to grab the doorknob to the door and really go, oh, Harps, uh, did I grab that gitch from you? And like, I kind of like fucking shoulder checked and I don't know if it was like the way I felt like I looked at him. I should have just been like, yeah, got it to you. But he made me stop right there. And it's like so awkward. Like it's kind of like in the dry room where guys get chained with a bunch of guys. And then I had to drop my bag and unzip it and, and pawn out the gitch. I tried to steal in front of everyone as they just all, it's always so alert. Like a couple guys were got cut before me even. And like, you're just like, that's why the coast is almost a beautiful thing. Like guys are just getting cut left and right. This guy's saying hello that are walking in one door and they're passing a guy who just got cut. They walk right by each other. They don't even need to introduce each other because they're never going to work together. And it goes like that a lot. But fuck, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Pretty hilarious. Like, so then I fucking that. So then I had to drive home and I drive home from there. But Fayetteville had left to go play Macon that night. And by this time, it was physically impossible for me, even in the Dakota, to go meet the boys in Macon. And I had to stop in Fayetteville and get the rest of my Fayetteville gear because they took that from me. So I didn't play that night, but I drove all the way from Norfolk. I made a little pit stop to grab my equipment in uh, Fayetteville. And I drove from Norfolk. I don't know how long it was. must have been 12 hours or something. I drove right to Birmingham in the Dakota. And then I played two games in Friday, Saturday in Birmingham and then drove this, made my roommate Vinny Renda sit in the passenger seat with me as we drove from Birmingham back to Fayetteville. All this because I took a East Coast tryout to no prevail. Hey guys, just jumping in here, kind of a little, uh, what do they call it, uh, a post-production edit here. After Harrison and I were done doing the interview, uh, we were just kind of talking just before we hung up and um, he mentioned to me, he goes, ah, you know what I didn't say? He goes... Now that I'm thinking about it, he goes, I don't think Norfolk paid me. And then he kind of thought about it for a second. He's like, yeah, no, they didn't pay my trans. They didn't, they didn't pay me for the game. He goes, now that I think about it, he goes, I don't remember them paying me. So yeah, he, his East Coast Hockey League, he, uh, he basically, <laughs> he lost money. Uh, it cost him all the gas money and all the, and the, the wear and tear on the Dakota to get there and back. And, uh, and he didn't even get the tracksuit. So yes, there you go, folks. I just wanted to throw that in there. Just to add, just the the uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. There's no avail, whatever the saying is. But yeah, it's oh. pretty fucking hilarious. So you've, I wonder if you had actually, whatever, if you had grabbed the guy in Norfolk and fought him, you would have stayed. Oh, they would have kept me. They would have kept me for sure. Yeah, I could have been the worst. So this was this is so I'm fucking happy you said this because I would have forgot to bring it up. So there was a guy. Uh, don't, I don't know him at all, but he was playing on he was playing on Roanoke, and we played Roanoke like I said seventeen times. I believe his name was Sean Leonard. He's a twin, I think. And um, anyways, like he would fight all the time. Um, wasn't like a fucking huge guy or like a killer or anything like that, but like he was down to fucking scrap, and he would scrap almost anyone. Seemed like and anyways, so they they cut me, and then later that day I see that they brought him in, and I'm like, get the fuck out of town. And then, so sure enough, he goes in his first game that Friday night against Wheeling. He fought twice. And apparently, like, I'm asking, and my buddy's telling me, like, coach just fucking fell in love with him. Loved him so much. He brings in his twin brother from Knoxville. 
And then the two of them um, were up there for, I don't know, a little while. They fought some, they fought a couple tough guys. I don't know if it was fucking, they might have, I don't know if they were at that level yet, but I think they're probably going to keep playing. They're entertaining at least. They're other twins. But yeah, so I got cut and they literally just called another SP guy right up the fucking road and replaced me with them. And then he did fight. And it was just like, they were just looking for a rodeo clown. And I mean, one day maybe I'll look back and be like, fuck, that clown should have been me. But in the moment, I didn't give a fuck to do that. Well, it's a, it's a, it's such a hard role to do to begin with. But now you're kind of getting the, you're getting called up. Like you said, like complete, I mean, at the best of times, players are product and pieces of meat regardless. But this is the ultimate, like they're, they're letting you know, like, listen, dummy, you're coming up here. You're going to be our crash test dummy for a day or two. And then you're out of here. So you already got this sense that that's what's happening. So now it's like, yeah, but come up here, but, but we want you to fight their toughest guy before you leave. You know, it's kind of like, well, yeah. I don't blame you. Like, it's, why would I do that? Like, you know, like, because there's no guarantee. Oh, if you yeah. fight him, you're here for the year. Okay, well, then maybe a person would do it. But it's like, okay, so I'm going to fight, possibly get busted up, nose broken or whatever, and then i got to hop in the Dakota and drive 12 hours because you're like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, well, the enthusiasm, I could see why it would be lacking a little bit. No, for sure. Like, I mean... I do adore that fucking role and I got such a respect for it. So it almost feels like out of respect for the, the role itself. It's like, fuck, someone asked you to do it and now we given an opportunity to you. And you know, that's your chance to play at a league and at a level that you wanted to play. Like, yeah, you should do it. But I don't know. Like, and I don't know, like I, I like to think like, uh, I don't think people know how much like the, obviously everyone talks about the mental side of it is all it is. Like, Oh yeah. Like, I found I dealt with, it's like I was, I was brought in into the Western League to play that role, and I mean I played it, didn't do an amazing job of it. Is why I only played 53 games in that league. But um, yeah, it's and I was at an age where, I mean I didn't have any fighting training at all. Like I had no boxing background, I had no wrestling, jiu-jitsu, or anything. I was just a big guy that like, like to throw the body around, and ended up like getting in a couple of tilts and people saw that I was down to do that and were like, Hey, if you want to keep playing that way, like you'll be able to be on our roster. That's kind of how it happened. And I went for it and I realized like, not to sound like a bitch, but I was like, dude, I respect the fuck out of these guys. And I do like to fight, but I was like, if it means me playing in the WHL at the time or in playing one to two minutes a night and getting scratched a bunch, or if I get to go down to junior A and play 35 minutes a night, probably get a better chance post fucking junior to go to a better school. Cause I was always going to try and probably go to university. I was never the level of hockey player that considered like finishing out my 20 year old year junior and going right pro. Like I never thought that was in my plans. So I was just like, it's going to hurt my chances of playing CIS to like continue to play this role. And I probably, won't play it as a 20 year old. Like I was being realistic. I wasn't trying to sell myself short. Like I just saw, and then I don't know, like getting asked to do that again in the East coast level, like you were saying, it just fucking, it didn't really interest me to be honest. It just, it wasn't where my passions were lying. I wasn't fucking killing just to be on the roster and fucking coasting, you know? Well, like you said, you have no ties to these guys. You're there for a brief time. There's no guarantee. Like I said, it'd be different if it's like, okay, I got my contract. I'm here for the year. 
okay, well now you're forming bonds and you know, and you and you you know you battle for the logo and if shit happens, it happens. Okay, that it, you can completely understand. But like you said, when you're there for a weekend, it's like, well, you know, do really? Do I need to? You know, and I mean, but I mean, that's like you said, though, that's all the more reason, like you look at a guy like Anthony Collins, who's done it for so long. And it's just like, those guys are, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. And I've said this a million times in the show. You have to be a little different to do it. Like you have to, your mindset's got to be, like you have to have that mindset, not different, like, oh, you're weird, but like you have to have that mindset and it's not just something you can't just turn it on and off. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I've always said, the one no. thing I've always heard, and it's true, is like, you can't paint stripes on a house cat and call it a tiger. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You either have it or you don't. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with that 100%. I mean, like a guy like Anthony Collins, like, you play with him and like, you just see the way he is on the bench and shit. And you're like, yeah, like this guy, this guy's down to get down. And you can just tell, you can usually just tell, I find. Yeah. You know, especially, I always find him. I always find, like, and a lot of times guys seem a lot scarier when they're your opponent. Like, I found, like, I'd always laugh. It was like, if you could play with every guy first, no one would ever be scared to fight anyone ever. Yeah. Like, when you're fighting your buddy, even if he's tough as fuck, like, you're never scared of your buddy. Like, I, I even back in the day, I remember I fought my one buddy, my one good friend, Kyle Hawes, and um, he was still, fuck, he's still a fucking nail, I think, in terms, he's a nail in any fucking time frame, and he uh, was he was pretty big body in the elite in the Europe the British League last year, anyways. But I fought him. I think I fought him twice. Like, and he was the kind of caliber of guy that, like, when I last fought him in junior at twenty, like he would have been the kind of guy that I would have been probably nervous about fighting. But I knew him, so I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It's just oh, it's such a head game, and yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, I. I I salute anyone that does it, especially guys like Collins that have done it for so long. Like, that's very impressive and, and yeah. stuff like that. And you know, well, like uh, you said, it's right. It's one thing when you're a physical guy, you play the body. Get, guys don't like getting hit. Shit's gonna happen. You're gonna throw down every once in a while. But that's like almost like in a course of a game through hitting and being mad and the emotion. You didn't have time to think about it the whole night or the day before. You didn't lose sleep over it. It was just it's in the moment you're fighting. But when you're an Anthony Collins or a Kyle Newber or guys like that, and you know the next night you're fighting Travis Howe or one of these guys, or like you're Bob Probert the night the next night, you know Ty Domi's coming after you. Like to be able to have to oh, be able to sure. to sleep like that. Well, like it, it turns into like it turns into like I mean, imagine if you're I mean you're a guy on any team in the ECHL and it's late game, you're playing late in the third period, one game. And a guy just fucking, just brutally fucking run someone from behind on your team, and he might get kicked out, and uh, no one had the chance to deal with him. But then nine days later, you know for a fact, and all these guys look at the schedule, and you know they know when the games are coming up. So then they know this happens. This guy gets run from behind, and then even if this guy doesn't want to admit it or not, he's probably taking a peek at the schedule. And seeing like, and maybe this is a guy on your team, and you're not even the guy who fucking did this. And then, but then, you for the next nine days, you're like, when this team comes back, I have to beat the fuck out of this guy. You have to do it. Like that's your role, and that's what you have. That's the job you have to take care of. These other guys have to go worry about fucking the PK and the power play. But when you have to worry about that, so at some point in the next nine days, you're spending time thinking about that 
potential fight that you're going to have in your head, like probably not just once a day, let's just say. Probably many times through the next nine days, you're thinking about how you're going to, like, if you're going to fight Buddy, if he's going to be in the lineup, what you're going to do to him, like, how is it going to happen? Like, that's happening fucking night and day with these guys. Like, I don't think, there's one thing to be, like, worried about, there's one thing to be worried about fucking up and, like, you know, turning the puck over and getting uh, scored on or not performing well. But there's a little bit different aspect when you're worried about a guy punching your fucking lights out. Yep. And I think that's, like yeah, and I think that's one of the big things that's lost that I've, throughout the show that I've done, I've tried to impress upon people that act, that act, right, and get guys to talk about the mental side of it and stuff because I've seen it firsthand, right? So it's like, you know, what guys go through. And, yeah, and I mean, I always say, I guess to to – uh, equate it to whatever a, a life thing that maybe somebody that didn't play hockey would go through. I said, okay, it, it's like that movie, three o'clock high. So you get into it at ten a.m. in the in the lunch in the cafeteria with the toughest guy in school, and he says at three o'clock you and I are going to fight behind the bushes. Yeah, and the whole school no yeah. fight, fight, fight. So all day you got to go through school thinking in your mind at three o'clock I got to go fight this guy. What is that day going to be like for you? It's going to be terrible. Well, these guys live yeah. that for an entire hockey season. That, oh, I, I, but, so you, that's what I mean. You've got to be a little, the, the mind's got to be, you got to think, it, you got to look at things different. You got to compartmental, compartmental, yeah, I can't say that word. Uh, whatever. You got to focus in on different things than the other, than like yeah. what a goal scorer would do, right? Like, it's different, man. No, it, 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 it's definitely different. It's, I wish there was like, I don't know. Because I don't think hockey's so unique that I don't. There's so many parts of it that I mean, even guys who play for a long time don't really. Some of them might not really think about that. What some of those guys go through, or especially went through, because it's not as prevalent today. I don't think there's too many guys that are worried about fucking that to the degree as they were ten years ago in this league, even. But I'm sure, still though, I'm sure guy like Zach McEwen or something like that, like, you know, guys like that that have to fight to play in the league still, I'm sure they, I'm sure maybe they're not playing very well. And then, you know, a couple games go by and you haven't put the puck in the net and you're like, okay, like I'm not scoring. Like I better get in a fucking tilt right now. And then there's no reason to tilt. You're not mad. You don't have that fire. No one's done anything to tilt. And you're just kind of looking for one. And it's just like, fuck. I remember that's what I used to always find. Like I used to do like, this is why like you have to be kind of fucked because it's every single day is a clean slate. Like I remember I used to think things in my head, weird things would be like, Oh, I didn't fight tonight, but I fought two nights ago. So if I don't end up getting one for another two or three games, like that's not the worst look, but I need, or, or then maybe a couple too many games would come by and I'd be like, fuck, I need to get in the tilt bad. Like I can't have any more, I can't have too many more games go by without me not getting a fight right now. And then it'd be like, I got to go out and do something or address something or something. You know what I mean? It just, I don't know. It was fun. I just, I wasn't the best at it, but fuck, it's hilarious. Like, it's a hilarious rule in athletics that I wish we wouldn't let die like we are in the sport right now. Like, the NHL pisses me off to no degree because, like, they have this uniqueness of their sport that no other sport has, and they try to, like, hide it and, like, diminish it. And, like, they let all these outside people who, like, weren't even fan or who will never realistically be fans of the game long term, 
and people that they would never profit off in the first place. It's like they're catering to these people that are not their niche marketed to begin with. It's fucking odd, but that's a totally different conversation that we don't even need to get onto because then, fuck, we might be on here for another three hours. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Hopefully, <laughs> I've ranted and raved about that on here a million times. But I will say, though, Harrison's, uh, his first tilt as a marksman, though, uh, you made a hell of an impression. As I as I I put it on Twitter, I put the video up on Twitter, and I called it the fucking Airdrie handshake. Uh, <laughs> you one punched that fucker, one shot, bam, down he goes. I was like, holy! No wonder Norfolk thought they were getting uh, friggin' the next. They thought they were getting Tony Twist with his one punch. They saw it. Yeah. They saw it on social media. They're like, look at this animal that we're getting. Yeah. Um, well, and that yeah, was against Birmingham, too. Your old team. Was that sort of, uh, after the one shot, did you sort of look over at him and be like, yeah, see, shouldn't have cut me? Did you give that one at all? No, I honestly, I, I, I should have really because I I remember, like, I wasn't, I wasn't pissed. It, like, Birmingham had a very unique situation that year. Like, they had a good coach, and he was planning on being there, and I don't know what happened. I think there was something with his family or something happened where he lasted like literally like two weeks before the season was supposed to happen in 2021 head coach couldn't go assistant coach has to take over and he was literally uh one full year removed from playing in the spill himself and he had been an assistant coach that year so he kind of got thrown into the fire and I mean, I didn't love the way I was treated in some ways, but I didn't think that was any fault to his own. I think it was just a byproduct of that crazy COVID year. But, yeah, so it was the first time I'd ever played in Birmingham since being a bowl myself. And a guy that I had actually – the best part was the guy that I fought, I actually knew pretty well personally. He used to – fuck, you should get that guy out of the show, his fucking life. He's like 33 in his second year in the spill. But he, his life's hilarious. But anyways, this guy loves to fucking scrap. And he was fighting a lot last year. But we, he tells me in warm-up, and, like, I knew who he was. And I was, I knew a couple guys were. So I was, like, fucking spitting chiclets and them call it tummy sticks. Like, I was saying hi to a couple guys over the red line. Like, you know, give him a nod and shit like that. And then I see this guy that I know nippered. And he's just kind of like, harps, like, we might have to fucking have one tonight. And I'm just like, fix he's joking because he's that kind of guy. I mean, that would make say that. So I'm like, yeah, fucking sure, Nips. I just let me know. And then he go, and then he like he wasn't even joking. He goes, no, I'm dead fucking serious. And I could just see it in his eyes. Like I know him, and I laugh, and I'm like, okay, this guy used to be my trainer at a gym I used to work out in the summer, like six years ago. He was my trainer. Like he worked there. And I was in, like, the group that would pay to train there, and he was one of the fucking trainers. It was so funny. He's much older than me, a little smaller than me, but a little, much smaller than me. But he, uh, so, yeah, he tells me that. And then he was running around like a clown because he was that kind of player. And, I mean, very entertaining player. But So he absolutely just elbowed my fucking roommate and, not my roommate, my D partner in the head at the time. And, like, it looked pretty bad. And the guy was just like, all right. Like, he wants one, and he's running around like a fucking idiot, like, Let's have one. And so we square up. And if you watch the video, it's kind of like a long square up. And then he says to me, like, I grab, when I first grabbed him, grabbed him with my left hand. And I think I, like, kind of grabbed his ear loop of his helmet and his collar, too, at the same time. 
so I was kind of like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I ain't going to let go. And I was like, I was calm down. Like, this guy's not going to shake me loose. I was like, if I grab his helmet and his fucking jersey, I'm like, that sucks. Like, I can pull him around pretty good then. But then he was like, I was just about to start unloading. And then he goes, wait, wait, let me re-grab. And I'm kind of laughing because, like, I, I hadn't fought in a while, like, squaring up. I hadn't been in a fight where you, fight where you square up some fucking junior. So we squared up, and then we grab each other, and then he's like, wait, wait. And I'm laughing. I'm like, because like, it feels like such slow motion. So I'm, like, kind of in my head, like, laughing kind of to myself, being like, it's so funny how, like, I have even had the time to think about that. And, he, and he's like, let me re-grab. And I literally let him, if you can see, his arms kind of do this thing. And I let him re-grab my collar to what he thought was where he wanted to hold. I thought that was very polite of myself. And then, like, he didn't say, like, I'm ready. I didn't wait for that. But I let him re-grab a little bit. And then, yeah, I just threw it right. And I got, oh, I got lucky. Or I got a hold of him anyways and dropped him pretty good. But, yeah, it was funny. A little bit, you know, it almost sucked that it was your buddy you had to drop. But, uh, yeah, that's the way it went. It was funny. Yeah, well, there you go. I said, well, this is going to be a big heavyweight champ. Here we go, folks. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was, uh, that was something. But, um, well, man, I know we've talked here for a long time. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but <clears throat> we just got to, obviously, we got to bookend it here. Um, you know, the end of the year comes. You guys actually had a really strong team. You had a good year. Um, and unfortunately, you lost to Quad City in the first round. Um, how did, um, did you did you expect to go for? I mean, you know what I mean. In you, know, everybody wants to obviously win the championship. That's what we're playing for. But in your mind, did you think you were going to? Like, were you pretty disappointed in the in the in the loss to Quad City? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It was uh, it was a pretty big heartbreaker for me um, because well, I mean, we did. We honestly like. I know a lot of like you said, a lot of teams say this, and they always say this. But and we only finished in fourth place. But there was a lot. The spill was really a strong. Like the, there was a lot of strong teams in the spill this year. Like it's, it's usually it seems like the spill is either um, really top heavy. Like there's two teams that just completely run away with it, or one team that's just like so far ahead they'll never be caught. But there was kind of like four teams of us that were all pretty near each other, had played throughout the year and been pretty even. And like so, we get matched with we got matched with quad city and like we beat them. Uh, we'd only played them twice that year, but we beat them two out of three. So we were pretty confident going in. And then we uh, didn't even play good. I thought in the first game that we ended up winning in playoffs, I thought we played bad. We won three, one. And then we go back into Fayetteville and it's only three game series in those first couple rounds in the spill. So we just had to win one game and we lost two at home. It was pretty, pretty disappointing but we had a fucking good team like we had one guy that was friends with the guy in our team who hadn't played since 2015 or 16 or something he was like 34 and he had been an east coast guy and like we had like he like showed up like his buddy like convinced him to come out he started playing again he was on our team we had brian moore who if anyone knows who that is he's actually fucking nails and this was hilarious he's from Charlotte, which is two and a half hours from Fayetteville. And, like, he played in the OHL and played in the A, played in the coast for a long time. Like, and then he had a year, he had a couple years in the coast where he was, like, point per game with, like, 250 pins or something. Yep. And maybe not a couple, but he definitely had one. He was a tough cookie. And 
I don't think that this would ever have been allowed to fly, especially with my kind of coach that we had, the way he is. But he would play only home games, and he wouldn't practice with us. He would just drive out for home games the day of. It was fucking hilarious. And he's a beauty. Great guy. You should fucking have him on your show. He's hilarious. He'd be unbelievable having the pod. And he's actually tough as shit. He's, he's been in a lot of good fights. But, yeah, he would come up and just beat the wheels off guys. And he was really good at the SBHL level. Like, fucking well, yeah, well. 22 games with you guys. He had 15 goals, 20 assists, and 138 minutes, and he was a plus 19. That's a hell of a guy. Yeah, I think I would my Yeah, you don't need to practice. Don't worry about it. Fuck, yeah. I think I'd go for that deal yeah. if I was the coach. <laughs> oh, he, he was hilarious. Like, he, he would fight a lot. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys that are, even guys that are crazy, uh, like, they would come probably down to a level like the SBHL and not be as worried about you about, like, all the shit that's going on. But he was the kind of guy, like, that fucking really loved. Like, his first game down there, I remember he just beat the fuck out of someone, and I laughed. It was something like a guy, like, lightly two-handed him or something, like, on a, in a battle in the corner, and he, like, took exception to it. And I was like, buddy, like, this was hilarious. Like, it got to the point, it made, me, it made me laugh. Like, I got in a fight in Pensacola later in the year, because Brian, like Brian Moore would fight all the time. And then I remember saw, our coach was hilarious, man. Corey, Corey Melker, absolutely hilarious coach. He'd always be, he was very like animated. And like, I remember a guy in Pensacola was kind of running around fucking cheap shots and shit. And, and he just yelled on the bench, can someone fucking do something that's not fucking Brian? <laughs> and, like, what he, what he said that, that's what made me laugh. He only played home games, but he made it to the Pensacola trip down to Florida somehow. He worked. He was able to work that one out. <laughs> I laughed at that. But um, so we're down in Pensacola. Yeah, and he, and he yells down the bench, "Someone do something that's not Brian." And I was like, "Ah, fuck, okay." So I went and fought. But yeah, he he was a good time. Like, but no, we had a lot of good players. We were we were good. We had an older team. And the thing I didn't like though, like we we had guys like all year. And I mean, I know that this is some people would say that's how you're supposed to do it and how you're supposed to act, but. We had guys that would always be like, oh, are we going to Myrtle Beach after we win? Like, they would, people would be like, when we win? People would talk like that, and I'd be like, fuck, like, don't jinx us. Sure enough, maybe we did, maybe we didn't, maybe we did. But, yeah, we, had, we definitely thought we had a team to go the whole way. So it was disappointing. But the spill's such a shit show. Like, Roanoke fucking made the final, and they barely even made playoffs. Like, they were yeah. not even 500 of them. So it's just a – that's one thing about that league. I, I think – there's a stat in the SPHL that, and I, I think this is how it goes. My coach would always say it, but I, I believe that a team that has finished first in that league has never won that year. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the teams that finish first are usually finishing like 25 points ahead sometimes. So it's a unique league. Zombies. Three years different. Well, when yeah. you so when you wrap up and you're and the season's done and you got to hop in the Dakota and you're driving back home to Ontario, is like, do you know it's over? Like, did you know you weren't playing again? Yeah, like so that's when we did lose in playoffs. Like that was that was a pretty hard moment. Like I'll be honest, like I was on the ice and like I had like tears forming in my fucking eyes and shit. And I remember. Like, I'm a pretty superstitious, sentimental guy to begin with, but I do, like, I remember skating off being, like, fuck, like, put, picking up the one foot and, like, the other one was still down there. I was, like, fuck, you might have just walked off the ice for, like, your last time as, like, an organized high-level player. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, 
I mean, part of me is getting me, like, you know, I, you'll always have the itch there, you know, and I, when we're up in Timmins there, one of our guys we work with, he's the head coach and GM of the junior A team up there. I skated with them the other day and felt good. You know, it always makes you want to play, but I would play. I think I'm just going to maybe join the senior ranks. And I always say to myself as a joke to, like, tell my mind to shut up. I'm like, just go make enough money that maybe you could go back to the school in a year and a half and play it out for another 10. <laughs> Red Mile roofing might lead to you. You might be kept back down to Fayetteville once Red, Red Mile takes off. Yeah, maybe. That's what I said. I'll just have to make an American company and just do roofs down there. Yeah, there you go. Well, down Fayetteville, if, they, yeah. if they're like, hey, you can get a Fayetteville marksman to come do your roof. The booster club might be all over that. You might have stumbled onto something. Oh, seriously. I, I, I had a buddy, the guy that I do roofs with, he was about to go down to Huntsville and do something just like that. He was going to be like the, get your roof done by Huntsville Havoc. Yeah. <laughs> you, man. Yo, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. that's what, that's what it's going to be. Hey, I would go. I would go, but uh, better make a call or two to the girlfriend, probably run that one by her. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'm, I had a good run, but I'm honestly like, I'm I'm ready to try. You know, like, I'm very fortunate to play hockey as long as I have. And I know I've said that, but you know, I think there's other things that I'm better at. And I do have a lot. I'm thankful to have a lot of other interests besides hockey. I think that's one thing I worry about a lot of guys I do play with. I just find like some guys don't don't get into too much other than hockey, and then fuck man, like you know, you're almost 30 years old and you've done nothing your whole life but play hockey. That's when I worry about guys when they like stop playing because it's like that's when some guys, you know, start to go nuts and shit like that. You know, they've played their whole life. It's something that a lot of people don't try and think of. But yeah, so I'm in that weird transition period right now. It feels pretty weird being September and I'm not like yeah. got the desire that I'm in shape. Yeah, yeah, like packing up, or calling the boys, getting all fired up to play. And, but, yeah, no, I think it's my time because even there were some times last year it might be – like, I, I love playing still, but one thing I was starting to hate, and I noticed this even, like, my last maybe three or four years, is I'd almost start to wish that games were at, like, 11 a.m. Because, like, a 7 p.m. game, like, fuck, you got to wake up, you go to the rink, probably go on the ice. I would always skate just to kill time. And then you go home, have your shower, your, your food, your nap, and it's, like, all the waiting around. And then – on the road and you don't even have like at least your own house or truck like you can go buzz around and do some stuff go grocery shopping keep your mind off it like you just sit in a hotel room all day till 7 p.m like fucking just kill me now like that was starting to get hard in my head i was not loving that and then fucking you know you'd be laying around you'd be like shit like should i be playing or like would i rather be home right now like you know with the family and friends you know so well, that's the thing, right? Like you said, when you play so much, like I've heard you talk about it on the project and stuff, all those years, like a junior and you're out in the East Coast playing with the Maritimes and stuff, you missed everything, right? Like you missed Christmas. Mm-hmm. You missed all that stuff. and Or birthdays or, you know, oh, buddy just did this and you're not there, but they're sending you like, you know, the pictures or something. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's tough, you know? And it's like, and I think people forget that part too, what you guys go through, you know, like you miss stuff. Well, like you said, yeah, a girlfriend sure. back in Canada, you know, it's just like, yeah, the, the phone calls get a little old after a while, you know, you got to come home. Well, that's, that was a thing too. And I mean, like, it was hard too, because 
not that where I was at in Ontario, I didn't have brutal winters or everything, but like my girlfriend certainly wasn't loving it when I try and FaceTime her at like 11 o'clock every day because I'm already home from the rink because we had decently early practices and I got a towel around my neck trying to walk to the pool and she's she's slinging at her desk job. She used to always just grill me for that. She's like, stop calling me when you're going out and having all this fun and I have to sit here and work. Yeah. But I used, to, I used to try to get her to come down. But yeah, it, was, it, is a, it is a definite sacrifice that now, like kind of looking back at it being, being 28 now and no, I'm not Patrick Marlowe or anything like that, but I, you know, played for a long time and I left home, like, I was basically only home for half of my 12th grade year. So, you know, it's over a decade, basically, that I've been gone and, you know, like, you're in, you're in group chats with all your friends you grew up with from home and, I mean, this might be a little bit before your time, but, you know, people always send in the memories from Snapchat and all this bullshit. And you're in these groups with all your friends, and you're like, holy fuck, like, this is memories from six, seven, eight years ago. I'm like, I don't, wasn't there for any of that. Like, that's fucking getting to be a while ago. And I was like, and I'm going to go too long. And if I was playing at a level that I was supporting myself better financially, it would be more worth it. But you love the game as much as you love it, but you can't be making all these sacrifices if, you kind of are putting yourself behind in the real world to a degree. Yeah. Unless you have something set up or whatever. Yeah. You're going to get a fucking rude awakening at 28, 29, 30. Right. And yeah. So you gotta, yeah, you definitely have to be setting stuff up or have something to go to or else the transition could be, might not be because it has not for everybody, but it, it might be bad. It could, well, and it has, like you said, there's been, you hear some real sad stories too. And that, because guys weren't ready, and it's just, and that's all they know. So, yeah, it uh, it could be tough for sure. But uh, anyway, man, that uh, that I know we've gone a long time. I want to thank you for coming back on the show, and uh, I, I certainly uh, hope it's not the last time we'll get you back on. I'm sure you and I have had some unique text conversations, so I think we could do it again on the podcast. But. Uh, I know you're heading back. You're back to Alberta here soon. You're moving, and you're going to start. Uh, what is it? The Red Mile Roofing Company. So everybody in Calgary, I got. I know a shingle yeah, guy. Yeah. I know a roof guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So moving back out west. It's middle of September now. I'm looking to be in there middle of October to November. Just got incorporated this week. So if you need any of your roofing needs in the central southern alberta region you call me red mile roofing limited baby we'll hook you up with the with the with the boys up top with the hot box getting shit done you know what i mean i love it yeah no it'll be good yeah but anytime you need a guest ever i know we've talked about how hard it is sometimes to corral guests if you ever need anyone you text me last minute or something even i love the way you do it i can just answer the phone anywhere so you uh ever need a guy i'm your i'm your man and uh yeah, I have to get you back on the project too, because same thing for myself. I'm, I'm not the best at uh, wrangling down guests, but I appreciate you having me on. I know we went on a lot longer than I think you and I even expected. So, uh, just appreciate getting the chance to be back on this, uh, you know, this modern folklore of a show. Oh, there we go. Yeah, pretend radio. I think we're, we did. I think we did it pretty good. I think the people enjoyed the episode. And yeah, if you need me to come back on the project, we could talk about Dave Brown. Harrison was learning about Dave Brown this week, so oh, you young kids, oh, you youngsters, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, it's funny that is one name though. Before we go here, I say 
I credit so many names and stories, and like I've loved watching fights, but you guys put me on to so many names that, as a guy that like to think hockey trivia wise for my age, especially now, you know, it's not even that cool now because you can just elite prospects everything. I couldn't remember a single note I ever read in school, but if I look at some guy's hockey card or elite prospects, I'll never forget it. Yeah. So you bringing up all these names I never fucking heard of, or, you know, I remember stars from the 70s and stuff, but the enforcers from back then weren't getting as much, um, you know, favor, even guys into the 90s and the early 2000s. So found out so many guys. But, yeah, Dave Brown, possibly one of the toughest guys, of them all, I didn't even know who the fuck that was, and honestly, I, I credit it to you and Alec over at Five for Fighting and his Facebook group, to guys like you guys for keeping this uh, these communities alive. And I just find it's just so fascinating to me that such a niche little thing that we spend our time talking to about on shows like this, but it's so fascinating. I can't believe that more people aren't into it because I'm like, it's pretty cool shit, man. Like. I hope that uh, we get more documentaries like Ice Guardians and people with money and the talent to produce good content uh, getting called stories or it's going to be up to guys like you and I to rank branch free from the podcasting and start making these documentaries on these awesome sh- you know, stories because there's so much out there. Oh, and like we were saying, right, I think with the, you could go into so much. Like, you get these guys to sit down and talk about the mental side of it and everything. I think it could really open up people's eyes and what's going on. But the only thing that bugs me that you weren't back in Western Canada for, I would have loved to have gone to Ice Wars with you at Edmonton. Yeah. Now, is there word? Will they be doing another one, do you think? Because I think, never met you in person, which I find is fucking hilarious because I feel like I kind of know you after being on multiple pod episodes and some phone calls, a lot of texts and Twitter exchanges. I feel like I know you, but I was thinking that too. I was like, fuck, I wish I was there for the second one. Hopefully there's a third. Hopefully AJ Galante is listening to this and uh, gets Ice Wars 3 going up because I would make the trip up to Edmonton to see that for for sure. So hopefully there's something like that going on that we'll get the chance to uh, partake in an activity like that in person. That'd be unreal. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, I know they're doing a third one for sure. It's just, there's a debate about where it's going to be. I've heard Florida, so we'll see. But I said, selfishly, I hope it's back in Edmonton because I know a bunch of guys that are going to come to it. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be cool. But uh, anyway, man, I'll let you go for the night. I know we talked for a long time, but uh, we'll stay in touch, and uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Okay, well, thank you so much again. Um, thank you to all your listeners and everything like that. Feel free to check out the project. And, uh, Darren, thanks again. I know we'll be talking soon. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 